Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Are you serious? Hello, this is How to Kill an Hour. My name is Marcus Bronzy. There's plenty of ways to kill some time out there. Thank you in advance for killing some time with us. This is part two of our best interviews of the year episode so if you haven't listened to the first part uh go back one episode and have a listen to that in that episode we had kofi kingston the guys from top gear paddy mcginnis chris harris noel clark ashley waters tiz Elias, uh russell kane jonathan pie aka tom walker big zoo and yeah <laughs> loads of great content in there today's episode we're gonna kick off with episode 363 Ramesh Ranganathan and on this episode we spoke about loads of the projects he'd been doing because this guy is motherfucking busy even during lockdown he was churning out content on TV his own personal content everywhere anyway we spoke about Rob versus Ramesh which is where him and Rob Beckett basically try and do things and aren't very successful but we also get to learn how challenging some of these things are one of them involves him putting his hand in a very interesting part of an animal one of the things that we had to do in south africa was we went on safari and uh they wanted to see if uh the right a rhino was pregnant so we went out with a vet uh to see if this rhino was pregnant so the way that you do that is you insert a probe you don't want to. You don't want to cause any harm to the baby. So you don't go in through the to the uh, frou frou. What you do is you go in through the arsehole uh, of the rhino right. with the probe. Now the problem with that is obviously the arsehole has is it, that whole cavity is, you know, it's got shit in it. So yeah. Rob and I were tasked with the job of emptying out the rhino's anal cavity. So right. uh, so basically. Uh, we had to put on like a, a plastic glove up to the shoulder and then just make sure uh, that it was completely free of... You know, the problem is, is that when you grip onto something inside it, you don't know if you're gripping shit or actual rhino. Do you know what I mean? So you just have to sort of feel around and, and figure out if that's a ball of shit or a ball of the inside of a rhino's anus and then just sort <laughs> of just keep pulling it out. I've got to be honest with you. Do you remember when Rebecca Lou's wanked off that pig? In, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I did think this might be our equivalent low point. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> pulling shit out of a rhino's ass. Um, I wanted to. First things first. How does how do you think a rhino feels when it wakes up from that ordeal? Uh, it, is it? Does it feel like it's had a colonic irrigation, or does it feel violated? I'm just curious. I, I don't know. It's, I wonder if it just sort of wakes up and goes. Uh, before I went to sleep, I could I could swear I felt like I needed a shit. Yeah, but I feel yeah. like I feel like completely 
great now. I feel sort of yeah. I feel light on Empty. my feet. Yeah, shit uh, was so good. I passed out. But that wasn't the only thing you did with shit in South Africa, though, was it? Oh my god, mate! So when we went on safari, one of the games they play is. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't. I, I was very against this, but because Rob agreed to do it, I agreed to do it. Is this sort of shit spitting, where you kind of pick up a gazelle dropping and then you try and spit it as far as you possibly can. Would you have done that? I, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think I could. I would had, I would have to be there and see the shit. Cause it might, cause what I didn't know was, is it an old dry shit? I was, I was thinking, cause, cause you, cause I, cause when you did it, when Rob did it, cause he's kind of like, oh yeah, cool. Yeah. I'll do that from watching the show. And you kind of think about it, but you, you had a thing about it. I was like, if it's a dry pellet, cool if it's like a squidgy wet pellet fuck no because that's getting squashed between my teeth and i'm not pushing shit through my teeth ever in my life now there's a point where you kind of just spit it out because you're like i realized i've got shit in my mouth or something like that (laughs) well yeah because because yeah the the only way to play that game is to disengage from what it is you're doing and then 100 percent. i mean all of a sudden you remember that it's shit the the other issue is is if you put the shit in your mouth, even if it's like a dried pellet or whatever, and they start talking to you, and then what happens is, is you are rehydrating that shit, and it starts to become shit again. Do you know what I mean? So it's like... <laughs> so I'm like, once I'm loaded, once I'm locked and loaded, it's go, yeah. it's go time. I don't need to have a chat with you, all right? Let's just get yeah, this yeah. done. That was the problem I had. They kept like... Getting us to put it in our mouths and go, right, so what are you going to do? I don't give a fuck right now. I just need you to get me to the point where this isn't in my mouth now, okay? So that was a problem. Uh, yeah. And because it's TV as well, was it? Was that, I take it, that was one of the shoots where they didn't say, oh, that's great, but we just want to get that from another angle. Can we do that again? Mate, there's some, there's some times where I just go, you've got that. So, so, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And that was, that was one of those yeah. times. We, we had a thing where, like, I did a show in the States and... One of the things that we did, we thought it'd be funny to scare my wife and my mum. We, we, the back door to the house, we put like a big sheet of sugar glass in it. And I just said, if you think I was boring, if you think I'm boring, watch this. And I jumped through the window, right? And they obviously don't know it's sugar glass and they all shit themselves or whatever. And it was terrifying to do because I just kept thinking I'm going to get the wrong door here and just kill myself. And then yeah. when uh, we jumped through the door, the director goes to me, uh, we might need to get that again. And I went, nah, we ain't get that again. <laughs> you got that. Yeah. If you, you if you haven't, if you haven't got that covered, you're going to have to do a fucking animation because exactly. I am not jumping through the door again. Exactly. I mean, there's, there's, um, uh, go on. Yeah. Crack on. Yeah. No, no, crack on. no all I was going to say is I had to have a, this, I, I, I sort of started to regret saying it because it's anus themed as well, but, um, Oh, crack on. I had to have an enema in Sri Lanka. And um, for, a t- for Asian Provocateur, this TV show I did a while ago, and they lost the memory card. With the camera that was actually on me, they lost that memory card. It went missing in transit or something like that. So that they said to me, oh, we might have to get you to do that again. And I was like, I don't, I don't. I don't see that being in my future. So actually, when you watch the show now, they just cut to the outside of the building and play some music. <laughs> okay. I thought you were going to say it was someone else's ass that was <laughs> <Yeah, I've got laughs> stunt ass. I've got an anus double. Yeah, 
Can you imagine the uh, auditions for that? <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, but yeah, before we move on though, uh, Rob, Rob and Ramesh versus, I mean, a big part of the show is you guys have known each other for a while, right? I take it from the chemistry on the show because it comes across. But fuck me, do you piss each other off? How real is this pissing of each other off? Are you guys hyping out for the cam? Cause, or, or is this all all really how you rub each other up? No, it's genuine, man. I mean, look, what I would say is, is that that is our relationship. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so Rob is like, Rob is, is a really good friend of mine, but I would say 90% of the time we are like take, ripping the shit out of each other and not in a fun bantry way, bickering. We are bickering. Do you know what I mean? And like sometimes, yeah. like we, we hosted the Royal Variety together and like most of the time I was backstage, I was like, Rob, just fucking chill out. That was like me sort of backstage because he's so excitable. So what you see on screen is genuinely, genuinely how we are. Do you know what I mean? It is kind of, um, it is, I mean, obviously it's heightened because Rob and I, when we normally hang out, we're not on our way to anally evacuate a rhinoceros. Do you know what I mean? So, so that puts you under a, a level of stress that means that those situations are heightened. Normally, Rob and I just be having a drink. You don't, you're not in those kind of, mm. uh, high pressure situations where tensions are, you know, tensions are high, tempers are short or whatever. We're just chilling out. So it's, 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 it's not exaggerated, but I would say it's escalated by the pressure of the situation. Like when we did, you know, the, the, the country and Western one, we had to write and perform a country and Western song at a club in Nashville. The pressure of doing that, did mean that we started arguing with each other. <laughs> yeah, argue they did, but uh, the song that they came out with in the episode was actually... Um, do you know what? No, I'm going to let you listen to that, actually. Uh, another thing that Ramesh and I spoke about during episode 363 was obviously how COVID is affecting our lives, more specifically, how it's affecting the way that we exercise. I realised that the only reason I ever stop eating is because I don't have food in my hand. And now I, I, I'm in a situation where I can have food all the time. And I do have food all the time. It's absolutely disgusting. All of the time. But how is that going alongside the fitness classes? Uh, I'd like you to describe them to our listener as well. For you know, r- r- Please crack on. Well, the truth is, is that um, uh, <laughs> I am... Um, I, uh, <laughs> I uh, I can't stop eating, and so I said to I said to my wife, if I uh, don't get on top of some exercise, I'm going to die. I'm actually going to you, uh, you're going to have to cut me out of this house or some shit. Like I'm in deep trouble. And so my wife's a bit of a fitness fanatic. So one of the things that we've got into, uh, well, it's two things actually. The first thing is that I've been doing for a while is this Peloton, which is this like. It's it's a spin bike. It's pretty expensive. It's a spin bike, and they've got this. It's got a screen on it, and it's got all these online classes. So you can log on, and then these like a, a, there's some British ones, but it's mainly American instructors going. It's time to upgrade your hustle, huh? We didn't come here to play. We came here to maximize our gains and all this shit. And then you sort of sweat out your ass for 45 minutes, and you feel good. And there's a leaderboard and all that shit. So I've been doing that. But the new thing that I've been doing during lockdown is Zoom fitness classes. Uh, basically, what this is, is, uh, I mean, I mean, the clues in the name, really, it's a fitness class on Zoom. So basically, the instructor uh, comes on, the whole class are in like a gallery view on, uh, on Zoom, and then he starts uh, shouting at you to, to start doing exercises, basically. So my wife and I have been doing this 
We initially did it in the kitchen. Uh, the problem is, is that when you do a fitness class, which I haven't done for a long time, you're all facing forward, right? So your awareness of what every, every, anybody else is doing is pretty limited. When, yeah, you do, when you're doing a Zoom class, everybody's, look, everybody's looking at the whole grid of, yeah. of, of, of everybody else taking part. So you're on screen. And uh, when we were doing it in the kitchen, uh, we couldn't do it because there's so much debris from what we've been eating over the past week, just in the background. It just undermines your whole thing. So we started doing it in the garden. But this guy, man, he's a really good guy, but it'll just like be like this. Okay, if anybody, if anybody stops doing it mid-set, I'm going to add another minute onto this. So who's... Who's dropping out? Who's dropping out? And then you're just shitting yourself that this guy's going to go, oh, because, because Ramesh didn't do a burpee, you've all got to do 20 more. Well done, Ramesh. If, if everybody's angry about having to do more, thank Ramesh, right? So <laughs> what I've ended up doing is like just occasionally like jumping out of frame or pretending that I've accidentally star jumped out of the camera yeah. just so that I can just sit down for a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what you should do? You should just freeze for a bit and just go... <sighs> <laughs> No, do you know the other, do you know the other yeah. thing though? My wife is such a, what I've discovered about her during lockdown, such a fucking teacher's pet, man. Like, it, it, oh. it's so, she's always trying to squeeze that extra reps. When he goes one second left, she'll always do an extra one. And then he goes, oh, Lisa, well done, well done, man. You're really pushing it. And she's saying, <laughs> fuck you. You're supposed to be, we're supposed to be doing this together. Do you know what I mean? It's supposed to be a supportive thing. Not you throw me under the bus by doing a little extra reps anyway does she does she say words of uh of like encouragement because that really fucking jars me i'll be honest with you like when i'm when i'm in fitness classes which i really really am i like to work out by myself but when i was in fitness classes when you've got like someone who's your mate with you and they're like come on give it a bit more give it more i'm like fuck you fuck it you concentrate on your reps you know, all right don't watch my reps I, I don't i like to do things where nobody is commenting on what I'm, i i yes. don't i do not need a review all right. Yeah. Just let me. It's it's as much as I could do to be here. Do not critique yeah. me. I do not need a trip advisor on how I'm doing my abdominal workout. All right. So just relax. Uh, so Good yeah, work, champ. But, Good but work, champ. you know what she does? She combines that with uh, finding my movements funny, and not deliberately. So not in a not in a way that's supportive or encouraging my comedic talent she just finds the way i do certain things funny so uppercuts for example she says it looks like i'm shaking some sort of instrument uh burpees she finds hilarious uh press up she says uh, my form is comedically bad so it's kind of like uh it's kind of like uh doing uh doing an exercise class during your own comedy roast do you know what I mean? Where you're just trying to get fit and there's just some yappy little shit next to you going, ah, have you noticed the way that Ramesh does press-ups? His ass is so high up in the air. It's like he's presenting to an approaching dog. No one wants to accidentally do that, do they? And if you do, don't email me because I don't want to hear about it if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, anyway, another thing that we spoke about during episode 363 was computer games. I've been playing a lot of Fortnite. Here's the truth. Yeah? It. Well, basically... My kids, because we, we, I got we got three boys, and um, we've been doing homeschooling with them, uh, and that uh, turned to shit 
very quickly. <laughs> so, because, um, like, you know, like everybody with kids, we had all of these aspirations of, like, doing some proper shit with them and, you know, doing a full day's education. I used to be a teacher. My wife is, uh, you know, occasionally still teaches, but she used to be a full-time teacher. So we had all of these ideas of what we were going to do. Um, and then it became really difficult because the kids are starting to get stressed out and stuff. And they've been playing Fortnite nonstop. And uh, I don't know morally how I feel about our kids playing Fortnite because essentially, for those of you that don't know, it's a game where you get dropped onto an island and you have to kill everybody else on that island. That's essentially the aim of the game. And our, yeah. yo- our youngest son is five, right? And, and, <laughs> and like the other day I heard him saying, oh, I've got an AR. And I said, to, I said to my wife, should our son be talking about assault rifles? Should, should a five-year-old kid be talking about assault rifles? I think that's up for debate, you know? And, and, and you, you think about the differences, the disparity between what we think is acceptable for them to watch in film and on TV, as opposed to what we allow them to experience on video games. It's incredible to me. It's like my wife was not sure about letting our kids watch Friends because they talk about sex and stuff. And I was like, yeah. they, they killed like... Between them killed 30, 35 people this morning. I, I think them watching Monica talk about how she wants to shag Chandler is probably going to be all right. <laughs> you know? You um, know what you just made me think, Ramesh? You made me think that the whole going into quarantine and coming out with a new skill set, your kids have taken that to a whole new mate, level, bro. Mate, if this is the apocalypse, I have got three of the best trained soldiers in the country willing to defend this house by all means. But the, but the truth is I was trying to like figure out a way of engaging with them because obviously they're so obsessed with Fortnite. And, yeah. but, the, but the thing is, is that they actually, the thing about it is they want to talk about Fortnite all the time. And so I just thought, I'm just going to join this kids because, you know, you could either take the approach of going, I'm f- sick of you talking about Fortnite. Can you stop going on about Fortnite? And so we went the other way and uh, I've joined uh, I've, I, I, I've, I've started playing Fortnite uh, uh, and I, I sort of play it for either from my phone or from my laptop. Uh, and it's, it's mad, man. It's like they've started, they, they look after me in these squad battles. Do you know what I mean? It's like they'll go, Dad, I've got a weapon for you. Dad, I've got a med kit for you. Come over here, Dad. You're, you, you've not got a lot of health points. Come over here. Let me hook you up. You know, all this stuff. And it's like, basically, in the outside world, I look after them. I say I look after them, Mark, because I'm actually me and my wife does mostly. She bears the brunt of it. And um, but um, and, and in and in uh, Fortnite, they're looking after me. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty. It's, it's a nice way of connecting with your kids through a hideously violent video game. Do you think Fortnite gets away with it because it's um it's kind of cartoony looking? Like it's not like COD. COD looks real, doesn't it? COD is. It feels very like a simulation, but it, Fortnite's it, like a bit like you know. It's, it's a cartoon, isn't it? Well, if, if they were if they were playing COD, I would be much more worried. I think. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, if they're playing COD, I'd be much more worried. And the reason is, is because, like you said, that is a war simulation. Do you know what I mean like, like that is so immersive? Whereas I look at my son and he's killed somebody, but on the other side of that, he is a banana. So you can yeah. sort of you can sort of appreciate. That wasn't a racial slur, guys. That wasn't a racial <laughs> slur. I just want to say. <laughs> Rubbish! Freaking up! Five minutes in, bruv! Right to the edge! So, yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah. so you sort of go... And also, there's no blood in it, really. Do you know what I mean? And even yeah. when you die, like, the way that you die is like a, like a 
light shines on you and you get sort of called up to Fortnite heaven. It's it's not quite yeah. It's not like your head comes off or anything like that. So uh, so yeah, I've kind of made my peace with it. Yeah, I was going to ask you about how your teacher skills were faring at home with the homeschooling, but I think you've kind of answered that as well, haven't you? Well, you know, I used to be a maths teacher. Uh, and the, the thing is, is that these kids, they're, they're taught in a different way to how I was even teaching it. So um, when, uh, when they asked me to show them how to do something, it's really weird. They make me feel old because they go, that's not the way the kids are doing it, man. Like you're doing it in some, you're doing it in some old fart way. Do you know what I mean? Like that's not the way I was showing yeah. how to do it. So just like, so I'm actually, I'm having the experience of not being able to teach them, but also them losing respect for me professionally as a, as a former teacher. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's a, it, homeschooling has been treacherous, but I think it's been treacherous for everyone. Do you know what I mean? I actually think all parents, and I've been saying this a lot, parents, just give yourselves a break, man. We've been yeah. given a tough ask here, which is delivering delivering an educational experience to our children on top of the inherent fear and anxiety that comes with a global pandemic. So, you know what? Cut yourself some slack. There was a reason why people had this specific job before you were in lockdown anyway. That's, that's the whole point of school, right? Correct. So, and also, all parents out there, stop fucking pretending that you are homeschooling the next Einstein because, because you are the one teaching your child so many people are like today we learned quantum physics no you no you didn't youtube a youtube video explainer is not learning quantum listen i've seen your facebook post you don't have the skills all right you haven't got it in your locker to deliver high level education all right so stop fucking pretending (laughs) yeah man i hear that um so how about yourself when you're getting some downtime how you killing? i mean you said Fortnite on a phone actually i want to go back to that because it's quite challenging playing it on a phone. I've tried right. it, and it's not like on a console. It's you get well, rinsed. Well, this is what happened, right? Is that um, so? I bought a Nintendo Switch, okay, yeah, and um, I love that piece of kit. I think it's unbelievable in terms of like. Um, I think for me, as like you know, I would describe myself as a as a, a casual gamer. Like I like playing a lot, but I'm not one of these hardcore guys that goes in deep for 48 hours and all that shit. I just sort of dip in and out, right? So the Switch is great because it's got those kind of games that you can get really into. Like Zelda's pretty immersive and you can probably get into that. But then it's also got Mario Kart and shit like that that you can just dip in and out of. Anyway, I bought a Switch for myself, but used the usual thing of telling my wife that I was getting it for the family because I'd read, you know, because I'd saw these like Switch family games and shit. And um, Yeah. And anyway, what happened was that got commandeered uh, by my children so then what happened it so they started playing it non-stop I wasn't even seeing the switch right and the, and the other thing is the lack of respect these kids have for expensive kit is absolutely disgusting it's absolutely insane I bought a case for it this thing the case is bulletproof uh, uh, and yet they have scratched that piece that that switch to shit it's insane it's absolutely insane how this you know what if I'd have showed you that switch and said, oh, this comes from, we, they salvaged this from a war zone, you'd go, yeah, yeah. That looks, it bears all the wear and tear marks of something that must have been, I, I, you know, it must have been in some sort of Middle Eastern country that was dealing with some heavy conflict. <laughs> That's what that looks like. So I was furious, right? I was furious, but I was like, do you know what? Have that switch, okay? Because, do you know what? I've got another series of this show. I can I can afford to splash out and get myself another switch. I'll get myself another switch, right? The kids are with me when I buy the switch, and I'm giving them all this lecturing about. Listen, you're not touching this, okay? This yeah, is my yeah, switch yeah. now, right? Recognize, yeah. okay? You've got that switch, and you've ruined it. 
Now that's yours now. You've made your bed. Okay, now you can line it. And then my son, he said to me, we took the first switch. I probably, he's eight years old, this kid. Imagine an eight-year-old looking in the eye and he went, we've taken the first switch. We're going to take the second switch and we're going to take every single switch you buy. Like he said it like that, like he'd been possessed by... Yes. It was, it was... Anyway, long and the short of it is they did do that. So, so, so he, thre- he, he, thre- one second, he didn't threaten you. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't tell you, he didn't give you an ultimatum. He said, dad, this is how it's going down. You know, like how people talk about how, when you really want to make something happen, you just speak it out loud and then the universe listens. And gives- <laughs> That's basically what he did. He went, that switch will be mine. And the universe answered because I haven't seen that switch for months. So now what, what that means is, is uh, and by the way, the kid's already got a PlayStation, all right? So, so now I'm in a situation where, like a, like a fucking chump, I've bought, I've paid for two Nintendo Switches, and I'm playing Fortnite on a fucking phone. That, that is, that is what, that's how, how I've been emasculated by my children. <laughs> Poor Amish. Uh, I hope the rest of the lockdown was all right for him. Something tells me it was because that guy, like I said had churned out so much content and I still is man he's been getting paid out here uh, anyway one of our other guests was 364 was the number of the episode his name is Shaggy if you don't know about Shaggy you've been living under a rock for the last 30 years he is a world renowned superstar hailing from Jamaica but did you know before Shaggy was a Shaggy that we all knew he was in the military that must feel like a long time ago now. Um, serving in field artillery battery. Is that right? Is that what, what part of the, what part, what is that? In, in, I'm not a military man. I'll be honest. I fire bombs, bro. Really? I, I fire one five, five howitzers. I have the rounds is about 95 pounds. I throw them in a, a, a big gun. I fire it and it's called indirect fire. You don't even see where it lands. They give you a coordinates, you know what I mean? Uh, deflection, you know what I mean? Quadrant deflection, boom, get a grid square, and I blow up a, di- a grid square. I'll That's be honest, I you use a lot of military words right there. I didn't understand the way you said grid square. <laughs> I understand big quadrant gun. deflection. <laughs> quadrant deflection. <laughs> I don't know whether I'm watching Star Trek or listening to the army right now. Yeah. But um, yeah. But yes. I fired howitzers. Howitzers. What, what are howitzers? Big, big, big guns. No, oh, they're, they're howitzers big guns. Are, they're huge, big. Some of them are on wheels, some of them have. You know, uh, or, or how it's is like, you know, they, they, uh, they're like tanks, Yeah. you know, but, but bigger guns that like a, a tank will fire, but it's a, it's a shorter range than a howitzer will go miles. Really? Grid, grid squares. Yeah. And grid, oh, okay, cool. And yeah. I've read that you perfected your, your voice or you formed some of your voice while you're working in the military. How true is this? Well, the military raised me. Yeah, I didn't. People, people think I'll go to the military to fire a gun. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't go to the military to fire a gun or learn to fire a gun. Uh, the streets taught me that. <laughs> 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 you know, the hood taught me that. Uh, I went to the. I went to the military to learn how to balance my checkbook. Mm. You know, that's where I learned to be disciplined and be on time and and. Um, be you know have a drive and stay fit and keep your body in shape and you know all of that i've taken into my life today i'm a neat freak to this day i 
I, the minute I'll, I'm cooking a lot now, so I'm eating the minute I start to feel a little uncomfortable because I'm, my shirt might be getting a little tight. I got, you know, and then I stop eating and go back into training and it, I'll that. do that in a, at a heartbeat. Yeah. You know, if I got something, if they look at me and says, okay, Shaggy, you're going to go out on tour in yeah. next month. I'm riding the gym, for real. getting ready for it. the next month. it's like, a, it's like a boxer mm. for a fight. You, you train for it. You know what I mean? So with my voice, I used to run and sing cadences at, at, in the military. I was like, I don't know, but I've been told my CEO wears pantyhose. And I, I make these things up and sing funny cadences for the, 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 the for my squad. And, and then they love it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. then I, I was just kind of mocking the, the drill instructors. The drill instructors are talking, hey, boy, hey, boy, you need to come over here, boy. Like, don't I bore me, boy. You know what I mean? They'll do put that. And they put up, and then right after they're done, hey, boy, talk. Give me 20. Give me 20 now, boy. Like, hey, yo, you know, last night we went out. Uh, was you by there? <laughs> so the, yeah. so they'll, have a, they'll have a conversation like that and just talk regular. You know, you want to get my, when you have a beer, yo, that girl over there, man, she was looking good. Hey. I want to see the robot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll do things like that. And you'd be like, ah, that voice is a total put on, you know? So when I was running and singing cadences, I'd do the same thing. Just like, I don't know, but I've been told. Hey, y'all ready, everybody? Let's go. Put him up, let him up, let him up. I feel where party. I was making a mockery of them. Yeah. The, 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 the platoon was loving it because, you know, obviously we want to make mockeries of, of our captors of course that's what the drill the drill instructors are they're captains they're like prison guards <laughs> i'm saying and uh but i didn't know that was uh vocal training because i was running three four miles singing from your from your gut mm. you know and uh, i the minute i did that in old carolina oh carolina like oh my god that's such a great song it's a hit here's a million dollars okay <laughs> Let's do it again. The voice stays. The lava, lava. Yeah. Ooh, wow, that's great. Number one. It's another million. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can get used to this. <laughs> By the way, we could throw in a first class seat and seat and suites. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, I feel like. And did I, and did I mention chicks? Chicks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, what do you do man i Part feel like life, if you yeah. throw that voice on people definitely listen to you so do you have you ever used it outside of music just to just to just to, to make somebody pay attention i feel like if you're a dad telling off a child using that voice they're gonna listen yeah. i told you pick up your book, come pick up your clothes see? Yeah. i'm about to straighten up my daughter my, my, my daughters are looking at me like <laughs> what are you what are you doing I have so no authorities <laughs> with my daughter. Like, like, like there's no, if you have a, if you think that you're a touring dad doing music and you're a superstar and you think that you could trump mom, think again. <laughs> There's nothing I say. It's like, yo, you need to go. Did you ask mom? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. To <laughs> <laughs> oh bless him bless it's him. crazy man yeah oh, so what do they think of that's music then um i think i think i think they know my music and like my music but not in front of me like they'll 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 make me seem like i'm the corniest guy in front of me mm. but then i'll hear from other people like oh yeah they were singing this song or they like this song or 
like my wife will look at me and says, did you know that they played you? I think it was you girl. Um, with me and Neil, when we put it out and she would play that in the car every morning, they would that was their song. And, and she told me, I was like, no, nah, they don't, they don't even act like they like any of my, my stuff. And then she ended up secretly taping them one morning yes. while they were singing and she turned her phone on and was like, yo, see, I told you. So that's how I know that they're really into it. But when they're in front of me, they ain't trying to do that. <laughs> <laughs> they was like, you're not going to come here and play superstar. You're dad. Now, <laughs> now take me to horse riding. <laughs> 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 we also spoke about why he still does what he does because if i'm honest i don't think shaggy needs to work so why does he i come from a little town in in, in kingston called raytown from a very poor family i've been allowed to travel the world be with some of my heroes have them know my name make enough money to take my family out of extreme poverty you know what i'm saying send members of my family to school and colleges and shit. And how, you know, this platform that I've been given, you know, that I've been blessed with, because none of it is me. If I didn't use it for, to, to, if you ask me what my biggest accomplishments, it's not Grammys or, or any accolades. It's actually having the ability to actually touch people's life and, or, or, or improve people's life, you know what I mean, on a positive note. When I look at my friends and, and families, or and I wrote Hot Shot album, and, and when I wrote that album, it's 11 people that bought homes and started their lives, you know? It's like somebody looking at you and says, oh, man, you got, you know, you've made so much records and, and, and you can make, you, you don't need the money. Why are you touring? I'm, I'm like, you got to understand when you go on tour, there is probably around 17 people that travel with us, 17 electric bills, 17 school fees, 17, you know, mortgages, you know, then when you go to a venue and we just played the UK with Nelly and all of us, there's 20,000 people. So you probably have about a hundred people that's working from rigors to security to all of that. That is what it is. It has nothing to do with you. You know what I mean? You're just a facilitator for people to actually get their lives going, you yeah. know? And if you don't realize that's your purpose, then you are totally friggin' lost. None of this is me. I use my, I'm a vessel, you know what I mean, to move things forward. You know, I might be sending a kid to school that might be the next person that cures cancer. The fuck I know. You know what I'm saying? It is, it is what it is. But how did that happen? Because I sang some song, made some money, and I was able to send to help and send, you know, one of my cousins or one or somebody else's kid, you know, or somebody else's kid that worked for me, went to college and, 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 and furthered their education to the point of where they found a cure for cancer. It all snowballs, brother. So if you don't understand what your purpose is, that's it. My purpose is not fame and, and my purpose is to use my platform and use me and my talents for the betterment of people. There's no, other, there's no other reason. I've passed the age of, I think when I just started was good because I got chicks. You know what I mean? I went to the club, I drank for free, I left with the hottest chicks and it was chicks, 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 fast cars and parties. I'm 51 years old, bro. You know what I'm saying? And I'm still doing really amazing things, making great music. And I was like, wow, really? Mm. It is what it is. Mm, mm. Uh, it sounds like you had your fill of fun time Shaggy I'll be honest with you being Mr. Lover wow. Lover for all those years boy there have been some moments yeah 
that's uh, that sounded very specific rolling into clubs not paying for anything rolling in with a nice car and taking the nicest girl in the venue you must have had some green eyes on you back in the day when you're doing those kind of moves my brother it it was why i got into music i wish i could tell it was deeper you know like (laughs) oh man you know i have this i wake up in the morning i have poetry on my mind and i'm like really no you know i i i was in flatbush you know, selling weed at the time and, and spitting lyrics. I, I was in, when I spit lyrics, I realized that, you know, the girls would laugh. Mm-hmm. And I talk about their hairstyle, their bags, their shoes, and, and rhyme it all. And they'd be like, oh, he's so cute. Yeah, and then I get, and I get the number. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, go to, I go to a club because I was a, you know, ghetto superstar. I had that local hit that was popping. That was dance all hit. I go to dance all club. Yo, that's Shaggy. Come on in, man. I skip the line. Chicks want to come in with me because I skipped the line. Of course. You know what I'm saying? I go in. They got the table. I got the table right by the DJ. You know, <laughs> I see him. I'm like, yo. Run my tune. Yeah. yeah. Yo, yo, yo. Me, I'm shagging at the place. Yo, yo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? The chicks like me. The camera guy come over. Yo, can I take a picture? The chicks be posed up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then, the, you know, promoters, you know, they send a couple of bottles over. You know what I'm saying? Yo, yo. You know what I mean? You know, you drink my, if you drink my bottles, I'm getting models. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate the honesty there. Um, did you also know that Shaggy is one of the top reggae dancehall streamers on Spotify? And we also spoke about why we think that is. I don't, I don't think there's the fact that we're the top, the three top streamers, myself, Sean, and I think Bob Marley. Yeah. And that's great company to be in. Don't get me wrong. I, but I don't think that we're, I don't think that we're doing such great. I think the rest of the genre is doing so badly that we look great, you know? And I, and I think that's a problem. If you look at all of the genres around, that's all is the lowest streaming genre there is. And so that, that's a problem for us. And we got to find a way to get back into the game and get a seat at the table, you know? And, uh, you know, that is my mission at that point. I've had conversations with people like Sean Paul at, on a regular basis. And he, he's, he's in that same vibe with me where it was like okay it's a little scary you know we are what every music uh is influenced by but yet still our genre is the lowest streaming and and that bothers us you know what i mean so uh we just got to find a way around it you know big up the coffee you know gave us a shot in the arm the other day you know what i mean and uh we, but you know she can't do it by herself we need we, we need a movement how do you we gotta how- get her we gotta get her things together yeah, how can we do this? That was that was gonna ask you next is how how can we fix this, you know? Well, in, in me analyzing it, when I look at the numbers of songs that are streaming, nineties dance all is what's streaming more. If you look at what Ed Sheeran and Rihanna and Justin Bieber and all these people are sampling, they're sampling nineties dance all. You know what I mean? So it, 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 I think with this new style of music, they're taking the dance out of the dance hall. You know, because and, and it's just a generational thing because if you look at nightclubs these days don't have dance floors anymore it's really tables and tables and bowls. You know, so they're singing like they're doing like these real sing-along it's really a sing-along type of a thing that's coming and what is happening to do sing-along dance all you know i mean if you l- listen to most of the sing-along dance all they're in raw patwa so the mainstream is not going to be singing along to raw patwa so mm-hmm. it makes the song have a ceiling you know, what used to get make me and Sean get away with a lot of stuff was that we had the music, the beat, the dance song beat kept them dancing and, they, and 
we sounded good. So it didn't matter what we say. You're not hearing. It's like, oh, I don't know. Oh, you make your door man all day. You ever hear them sing it? Wasn't yeah. it? No, 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 I did it really smart. I would do like some popular words here. I'd do the dance on melody, but I put some that some dance and some some of the reggae, you know, some of the dance words in it. But then I make my hook have as much English to grab your ass like that. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, honey came in that So it's a mixture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, you could do honey came in that It wasn't me. You getting all that shit. But then then I put that. Right? Oh, you think you're the woman answer to your villa? That was raw. I know. When I was making that record, that nobody was gonna understand it. They just say, "Whoa, that sounds good," and they just. And by the time you do that for like eight bars, they go back into. But you call me on the counter. It wasn't yeah, me. Yeah. I mean, so that was English. So you got to figure a way how to do it. A lot of these guys are just making records and that's just straight because that's the environment they're in. Yeah, I mean, you got away with saying some. You got away with saying some naughty things as well, though. I, you know, when you I really said, break yeah. down the lyrical content, Shaggy, <laughs> you, you got away with some yeah. spicy things, even in Hot Shot. Yeah. Man's talking about discombobulating yeah. girls' parts. I'm like, whoa, okay. Um, discombobulated part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, man. Um, and and also, um, as well as that, I just want to do a, a public service announcement to all those listening. If you've never had a rub down or a wind to 90s dancehall, I feel like you're really missing out because there's nothing like that. I mean, getting a wind to, to, to lyrics and sing along to a chorus, yeah. nah, that's okay. But getting a real rub yeah. in a dance... Yeah, so <sighs> I think that's part of the problem is just the dance is, is, is out of yeah. it. And I'm big up the ding, ding dong. A lot of these guys were, were really, you know, keeping that whole energy up and that yeah. excitement up, you know. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of cats that still do that because it, it's part of, dance all is colorful, yeah. you know. But, you, but you're seeing that. And a lot of the lyrics that these guys are talking are real hot. I mean, they're spitting some joints. You know, there's awesome. a guy called TJ out of Jamaica making some dope joints. But the problem, you know, but it's, and it's, if, if the, the mainstream can't understand it, then, you know, for me as Jamaican, I know he's spitting some fire. For average kid on the global scheme who don't know the culture like that, not getting into, into it like that, it's going to be like, yeah, and, you know, it's going to be a hard one. Even a lot of Vice Cartel who's got had more success at, at that than the average person there, you know. But, I mean, again, if you go back and look at numbers, like you said, it's, it, it's still different. You know, yeah. The numbers still ain't. It's not enough to really carry the whole genre. What a great conversation with an international superstar. Now let's get a little bit closer to home. Munya Chihuahua came on the show for episode 367. And one of the first things we spoke about was how he gets his ideas together and how he wants to grow in the future. And since the conversation that we had back in July, the boy's career has continued to explode. Anyway, we'll talk more about that after this. The honest answer is I don't really watch a lot of other content. And it doesn't come from, um, you know, it doesn't come from any point of ego or arrogance. It's more to do with social media, as we well know, can very easily affect your headspace. And I find that as somebody who you know, is a perfectionist and wants to constantly better myself, on the, in the rare minute that I haven't done something, if I see a piece of content that I feel like 
is of a certain quality or has hit on a niche that I didn't hit, I just, I'll just sit there kicking myself going, why didn't I do that? Why was I being so lazy? Even if I didn't have a second free in the day. So the short answer is when I post a video, I'll go on there, maybe check the comments, make sure there's no sort of undercover EDL supporters in there trying to bring down the race, uh, get them out of the comments. And then I'm just going to close it down and let it marinate a little bit, bring out that lovely jerky flavor and I might pop back on. But certainly I'm not in the habit of, uh, you know, going through people's pages and I ban myself from the explore page because that's where you'll catch that one thing that catches you off guard and makes you think I've been doing nowhere near enough. Even if you've been going overdrive, I don't know about you. Do you, how do you feel about that? You know what? And I'm not saying this to suck your ass, but one bit of content of yours that I genuinely mm. thought, fuck, wish I did. That. I don't even do comedy sketches online at the moment. Right. It was the Craig David. On my way to see my friends on this time because we're all in lockdown. Had to hold the subway. There was nothing in Sainsbury's in front of me. A delivery driver with a beautiful body. She asked me, is this mine? I said it cost her name, 60 the number, and I take with me on Zoom at night. Well, you got to keep it real, though. You got to keep it. You got to keep it real, people. People, I bet there's a lot of people that saw that and really liked it, and even your peers. And it's, it's it's normal human nature to be like, mm. oh yeah, yeah, that was cool, man. No, but that was fucking sick. And I, I I can't lie, I saw it, and I was like, fucking wish I did that, mate. So yeah, oh, keep mate, it real, I, man. I, I appreciate that, man. I, I appreciate it a lot because I guess you just don't know what's gonna. You just never know when you're sat on one of these ideas. Yeah. And I think it's been a real blessing having, because now I understand how the game works. Yeah. You, your consistency is key. So I'll always try and do two things a week, but then you, sometimes you just hit on this one idea that just, it blows up and you know, it's blown up because people are just going crazy and they're flocking to it and you're getting all of these messages. And I think the Craig COVID thing, it nearly wasn't an idea because I thought to myself, I was going more along the lines of, oh, let me do like a, a mock compilation CD with different artists that will play just a maybe four bar from a song that I'll make up, which would have been easier for me because I just have to write four bars. So it was going to be Western. So obviously there's Western, the group, we were going to call it West Hen. That's now been made into a full song and it's just going to be four lines. Craig COVID, again, was just going to be four lines. And anyway, I was writing those four lines and I thought, I reckon I've got a bit more in me to keep writing. So the hook got done and then a bit of the first verse and I thought, okay, maybe I should just release it. Um, and after the first evening of recording it, after the first record, I listened to it and I thought, now nah, this is, I don't, I don't think this is the one. Good to have done, but not the one. Pushed on, made the video thinking, okay, it's, it's decent now. And then it just went out. And I think because everyone knows Craig David, it just kind of took off in a way that I never anticipated. And it was great. That's the most watched most commented video i've ever made i think on instagram at least nice nice and it's good mm. to know you had a bit of fun with it and uh with regards to putting together content i mean it it did have a music video vibe to it. i mean you, you get a bit of help behind the camera as always someone holding the camera for you yes yeah, so i've got two i've got two of my my closest i don't know what you'd call them what one's my girlfriend one's my best mate scott not yeah. gonna ever see scott too much because of the lockdown but my girlfriend has been in lockdown with me She's also the, um, to quote the YouTube comments, Thick Ting, uh, who is seen in the Craig COVID video. It's just something so chivalrous about calling a, a beautiful girl a Thick Ting, isn't it? Was it, was um, it a Thick without a K as well? Was it two Cs? <laughs> yeah, two Cs. What is That's it about being called it, it was you, wasn't it? You left the comment, Marcus. 
<laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm three C's and then like a water emoji, water emoji. Water. I'm classy like that. Oh, God. That's what I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, sorry, to answer your question, she, yeah. uh, Gabs, is the one who films my videos. Yeah. And if she's laughing during filming, that's always a good sign because it means with a bit of polish in the edit, it's going to be even better. Yeah. And with uh, one of the workout videos we did, which I'm sure we'll speak about later, where I was literally just daggering my carpet. Um, for anyone who doesn't know what daggering is, just uh, search Marcus's YouTube channel. Yep, um, yeah, that's it. She was laughing during that. And then, so it, it gave me the confidence. It, it fuels you in the process. It makes you go, right, I'm going to go the extra mile then because I think this is funny. So every part of the process is leading up to, will this be funny in the end? Yeah. And is that your process? Is that like, you're like, you're thinking of the final thing. Like, is this going to be funny at the end? And is that constantly going through your mind as you're writing, creating, you just want to get the punchlines in and make sure that it resonates. The, the whole process is number one, when you're, when I'm writing the script, you've got, I'm thinking about this 60 second window usually where I've got a, I've got a, there's got to be enough laughs in there, but at all the right moments, it's got to finish strong. It's got to start strong enough for you not to sc keep scrolling. And then it's got to keep you entertained in the middle. So that's the writing process. And then I might show that, I might read that script to Gabs and she might go, yeah, I think you should change this or I think you should do this. We'll then film it, catch a vibe. Are we feeling good about this? There's been plenty of videos that I've just got a quarter of the way through and gone, I'm not feeling it. We'll be completely ditched. Like There's a whole bin of those. And then you get to the edit. And then obviously when it's edited, I will always, without fail, send it to Gabs and Scott and their reaction will influence how I feel. But sometimes it's way off. Sometimes I've sent it and they'll be like, yeah, it's all right. And then Instagram will be like, wow, this is the greatest thing ever. And then other times I'll be like, this is fantastic. And Instagram will be like, meh. So there's so much, there are so many points of uncertainty. I think ultimately uh, some, some things hit and then some things hit less, but that's just the nature of the game, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you've got to put it out there, suck it and see really. I mean, nobody has the formula to, to viral. Do you know what I mean? Like some people... Mm you know, kind of resonate a bit better like yourself, uh, but nobody knows that, right, this is going to be the one. This is mm. going to break the internet. I mean, unless, you know, you take off all your clothes and decide to pour <laughs> champagne over your shoulder like Kim Kardashian did, but I think that's done now, so no one else can really do that. Yeah, I've been there, done that. Didn't go down too well on LinkedIn, but we, we learned from these things. Oh, yes, we must learn. We must move forward. <laughs> um, so what, what I will say, though, yeah. what I will say, just, just, uh, just because of you, you mentioned the whole viral thing, I think a lot of people, when something goes viral, they think, uh, oh, this must be just the greatest feeling in the world. But sometimes for a creative person, it's actually also one of the most anxious feelings because you feel yourself on this wave, just this building wave of people talking and retweeting and liking and reposting. And I don't know whether it's just myself, but in that moment, when I, as soon as I realize that ha that's happening, I'm thinking, oh God, what's the next video going to be then? Because it needs to be able to capture this amount of stuff. So there are pros and cons. Obviously, I love the feeling, but it's not all glitz and glam as you might find it. There's a lot of stuff that happens in here, the moment, you know, in your head, the moment that you, you, you see something really taking off. 100%, 100%. And are you doing quite a lot of work, you know, internally and in your mental to make sure that you do stay in a positive mindset? Because, you know, you are locked in. You try not to look at that explore page, but hey, Instagram's there. And let's be honest, that's, that's where you put out your content. So you're kind of, you kind of spoke about regulating yourself, but I suppose you also have to be quite aware of what's going on out there. 100%, bro. Rewind maybe three years and I was 
wasn't anywhere near Instagram sketches. I was trying to, you know, be a presenter. That's what I wanted to do. And I, I was complaining because there were so many things about the industry that I just didn't understand. You know, I didn't understand why I was coming up with these games on my radio show or I was having a go at making some really sort of cool, unique content on my YouTube and it just wasn't taking off. And I could see other people absolutely murking it, getting those precious few spots on the bigger radio stations or the TV shows. And um, <clears throat> I was just complaining and I thought to myself, look, I'm doing everything I can work-wise, but I'm not doing anything for my spirit or my, you know, the inner munya. And Gabs, who I'm, so my girlfriend Gabs, she's super spiritual. Like, you know, she's practiced Buddhism and all of this kind of thing. So I was in a room one day and I saw this book. And I knew what the book was. Uh, I'd seen it before in my mum's room. It was called The Secret. And I thought, let me just read it anyway. I don't even know what it was. It was like one of those movie moments where you just see the, the book lent at a particular angle. Do you know what I mean? It's got that new yeah. little triangle in, in the gap between the other books. The light glistened off it. Exactly, man. <laughs> and, and my shiny forehead as well. Anyway, long story short, read that book. And I would summarize it because some people think, oh, you know, is this religious? Is, you know, is it some sort of cult? The, pr the principle is, in life, you've got two options. You can either look at what's in front of you and go, well, yeah, this is all right. Or you can just spend your life in a constant daydream of being like, imagine if, I reckon I can, one day I will. And I just switched between being the, the complaining guy who was like, the industry is messed up. Um, you know, some people do get it better than others. I switched all of that off and just went, I'm going to be that guy. Like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to have that. And honestly, bro, I still do that every single morning. Every morning I wake up, and I do three things I'm grateful for. And then I read a list of affirmations. And if I read them to you, you'd be like, oh, what? Like, calm down, mate. Because you have to big yourself up. You have to gas yourself up to believe that that could be you. And imagine, like, that whilst I was doing that, when I would be saying stuff like, oh, one day I'm going to hit 10,000 followers on Insta. I really believe it. I believe it. I believe it. A year from me saying that, I think I was probably on, uh, in a year, I went from the 2,000 I was on to maybe, what, 75,000. And I never even... You know, I, when I was saying it, although I, I had faith in what I was saying, I never believed that, you know, you can really make that kind of change just by, you know, being positive and actually genuinely believing in what you want and just making you saying it so much it doesn't even surprise you anymore when it happens. Great chat there with Munya, episode 367 of How to Kill an Hour. Episode 370. We got a bit trekky. Uh, in case you didn't know, I'm a big fan of Star Trek. I've been following it. In fact, I've watched every single episode since the original series. I, I had a super binge a few years back and decided to get through everything. And I was really happy when we got presented with loads of new Trek in 2020. In fact, that's one of the good things that happened this year. So episode 370, I spoke to the man behind Lower Decks, that first animated series from Trek for oh, about 40 years plus, maybe more, I think, if I'm doing my maths right. Um, and uh, we wanted to have a chat with how he got involved with this show called Lower Deck. So here's me speaking to the man behind it. Also, one of the guys behind Rick and Morty, Mike McMahon. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I was, I was an assistant on a desk uh, for the head of animation at Fox. And I had just been a, uh, a, a PA, which is, you know, a production assistant, somebody who keeps the office stocked with printer paper and coffee on um, the show Drawn Together and on the show South Park. And so I didn't move to LA knowing that I would do animation, but I knew that I loved animated stuff. Simpsons, Futurama might be my favorite. Um, And so, you know, when you want to be a writer, you've got to write all the time. And I remember I wrote a pretty gnarly, maybe not great take on on a comedic version of Star Trek that didn't involve any Star Trek IP. And it was kind of based on the unspoken um, sort of like colonialist aspects of the Federation. And my manager at the time, her big note on it was, why does this have to take place in space? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> uh, okay, maybe, I, maybe this is bad. Um, and, I, and I was watching tons of, you know, I was engaged at the time to my now wife and uh, lucky how that works out. And the, um, we, were, we were re-watching all of Star Trek together and just on a binge, just like loving it. And... I was, I was so desperate. I wish I could just write for a Star Trek show, but there were none on the air then. And it was driving me crazy that I couldn't do a spec script for a Star Trek. So I started writing TNG season eight. The tweets was my version of getting to write Star Trek episodes, just pretending that TNG never went away, just like forcing and willing it to just still be existing. And it was just to make, you know, a couple of my friends laugh and my wife laugh. And then it blew up. It got like 100,000 followers. I only tweeted a couple hundred times. And then uh, I was on hiatus from the show I was working on at that point. And I just wrote a letter to a a book agent, um, a lit agent named Kate McKean, and was like, I think I can turn this this Star Trek Twitter into a book. And so I wrote up a proposal for Simon & Schuster, and they totally got it. Uh, Ed Sletchinger over there is in charge of all the Star Trek stuff, and he totally geeked out over it. So I wrote this this book called Warped, which was a, a fake guide to the fake season of Star Trek The Next Generation, and they published it. They put it out as if it was a real guide. Um, and it, that led directly to Lower Decks because uh, a friend of mine who was an assistant that I, I met him when we were assistants at Fox, he was also an assistant in the same building, Aaron Byers, ended up becoming an executive. While I was going on the writer's track, he was going on the executive track. 
he ended up as an executive at Secret Hideout, which obviously makes, you know, all of this next generation of Trek. And he knew I was crazy for Star Trek. He knew I worked on Rick and Morty, which he loved. And he knew I had this book and that I knew tons about that. I just had a working understanding love of just the world of, you know, the galaxy that the Federation inhabits and that the, you know, he had me come in and, and, and talk to Alex Kurtzman about what my dream sort of animated show was that I never thought they were going to go for because I wanted to do a comedy and I wanted to do a 23, a 2380 era, you know, TNG era uh, show. And, and to their credit, they, I didn't have to beg or explain or, or like, or like bribe anybody. They completely got it. They got it. And, and I've been, I've been in heaven ever since I've been making Star Trek. So we know now that Lower Decks was a really, really big hit in the Trek community. I mean, there's always some people that moan when there's new Star Trek, but generally, I mean, it ticked all the boxes in kind of staying true to Trek, being funny and also being generally entertaining once you put it all together. Uh, but before this, this is when we had the interview. So it was before it dropped. So I wanted to ask him, did he feel the pressure? And here's his answer. You know, honestly, <clears throat> I mean, I did. I felt a ton of pressure because, because I wanted it to be Star Trek that I would love. You know, I think that to n- I, I couldn't really feel pressure about the Trek community at large because there are so many different, like Star Trek is open doors. You know, I mean, I know there's, there's always people on the internet who want to be gatekeepers to stuff. And like, I get it because I think like very deep down, if you look past all the crud, Star Trek is really important to everybody that loves it. And you protect the things that you love and you don't want people to quote unquote mess up or change or alter, you know, these things that, that are a safe haven for you that you put on in the background to keep you company or that you've seen a million times or that you've invested a lot of emotional energy into. And I totally get it. I don't want people messing with my stuff like that either. And the thing with Star Trek though, is that the, there isn't one type of Star Trek, you know, like TOS, TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, the movies, the JJ movies, the new era, Disco and Picard, like the, the animated series, even Galaxy Quest. Like there has been, and I know Galaxy Quest isn't an official Star Trek st- thing, but like to me it was, you know, when I saw that movie, I was like, oh, I love this movie. It's a beautiful, great Star Trek movie that happens to get why Star Trek is funny. And it is a bit of a spoof. But the, you know, you're never going to please every Star Trek fan. Like, there's something for everybody in Star Trek, and it keeps growing. And the reason, you know, some people say that Star Trek is a genre, and I've been, I've been accused of that too. But I think that the even better than that is that, is that it's many genres, is that you can you know, that TNG was an expression of, oh, what if we take the things from TOS and we, we remix it and we expand it and we see what it's like to be futuristic for, for another generation. But then Deep Space Nine and Voyager are so fascinating because it's like Voyager's not only on a space station, but, but, but it's not even on a Federation station. I mean, it's, it's a Cardassian station. All the tech looks different and, and it's about such different stuff. And and Voyager is clearly like not even in the Alpha Quadrant. And so what those shows, you know, I, I actually think every Star Trek has amazing stuff in it. And, you know, I know I'm rambling about Star Trek, which no, my wife do. would say this is the perfect <laughs> job for it. But, the, uh, you know, I think like it's, it's a fool's errand to say that any series of Star Trek is bad. Because I think where Star Trek really 
lives and breathes is in its characters. And there's a reason that you can love TNG, even though Sub Rosa is in it, you know, like I can even watch Sub Rosa because I might not love the idea of, of Beverly Crusher having a romantic relationship with like a magic lantern, but I do love spending time with that crew. And I think that there hasn't been a Star Trek series where I don't love the crew and and any quote unquote bad episode, it's still 40 minutes I get to spend with a crew, with a Starfleet crew um, or with Bajorans or, or whomever, uh, <laughs> or McKee, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so I guess like the long, the, the, the short version of that rambling is that, you know, I, I knew that no matter what I did, there were going to be people that it didn't speak to because, you know, Star Trek doesn't, Star Trek, Star Trek isn't designed to be the same every time a new creator is expressing what they love about it. And that's what I'm trying to do. Like my love of Star Trek is the kind of love where I can have a beer with my friends who are also Trekkies and argue about how great Riker is great or really great. And, <laughs> and you know, I'm not the kind of Trekkie that knows, you know, micro details about like production codes. And, and I, sometimes I forget episode titles and, and, and eras and dates and stuff like that. But I love the characters, and the stories. And so I knew that as long as this, as long as Lower Decks felt like it had vibrant characters and it stayed true to Starfleet and to, you know, personal truths and scientific truths and, 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 and ethics and morals and, and being the best that humanity can be, then I can still have fun in it. And yeah, it's not going to please everybody, but I actually think that if you let enough episodes build up, if you think it's not going to be for you and then you check it out and just kind of let it, let it just, just run and just be a part of it. I think people will be surprised because as much as I wasn't worried about people who are kind of gatekeeping Star Trek, I did. The show is kind of for that. Like there are so many, not only references, but just like themes and, and characters and, and, and even jokes that, that really play for people that love Star Trek. So ironically, anybody who really doesn't think that they needed a Star Trek animated comedy might be the perfect audience for it if they give it a try. And you know what? He was so, so good at delivering a show that promised all of those things and also delivered. So that was the episode with Mike McMahon. That's episode 370. Uh, back to the UK again. Uh, for lockdown for some people it was quite hard uh especially comedians who do a lot of live shows now a comedian that managed to really flip things on its head was Bilal Zafar who launched his twitch channel Zafar Cakes which is doing really really well I'll explain more about how well it's doing and how we're actually tied together with him in a way at how to kill an hour after I play a clip about how he first got into twitch during lockdown this is from episode 371 and this is Bilal Zafar March when it was really bad in Italy mm. like 800 900 deaths a day kind of thing and um our government hadn't done anything yet and i could just it was obvious that it's coming here and so in my mind i'd already thought right edinburgh's off they can't do that festival in quite a small city with like thousands thousands packed in doesn't make any sense um and then you know literally just got started getting loads of emails about gigs being cancelled all the previews for edinburgh that i had booked in like some really nice stuff just all disappeared so i'd say for about a good like two or three weeks, I just felt horrible. Like, um, 
properly like panic attacks and stuff because it's like my year is just gone and with my work because obviously i'm self-employed and um i don't i don't have anything else really and um it all depends on kind of how well i'm doing at the time um i don't have any like uh, guarantees basically you don't have that with stand-up um again unless you have quite wealthy parents which a lot of comedians do um you just it's you just, it just depends how good you are and how well you're doing so i thought i'm just gonna like regress a year basically i've just lost it like what do i do now and then luckily um I thought about streaming on Twitch for a while, uh, but I just didn't have the confidence because I'm not really someone who, like, I'm, I'm not good at doing, like, those Instagram videos where you film yourself doing something funny. I won't be good at TikTok. I'm not, like, a YouTuber. You know what I mean? I don't have that kind of confidence. Stand-up mm. is very different to all of that. Um, and I thought, I'll, I'll have some fun on Twitch. So I started off just streaming some casual games on there. So I guess I should explain what Twitch is for people because people still don't know. Um, yeah man please do please yeah. <laughs> it's basically it's basically a streaming site so think of like youtube live basically but twitch is its own thing where it's mainly people streaming a game which means that they're playing whatever generally the latest game like fortnite or you know whatever's really big and it's their head in the corner of the screen uh you see their faces they're playing it and they're talking over it and i can't explain why that's popular to people because it's hard to explain to like like my parents, for example. Um, Do you know what? Quick, I'll quickly jump in there. Do you know what you have to say yeah. to them? Gogglebox. Gogglebox. Oh, if you watch point. that, it's the same thing, isn't it? That's interesting. It's the same thing, but even more real. Yeah. In a way, because more can... And you can, you can talk to the person on screen. I think that's a really amazing thing. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah exactly that, yeah. Yeah, I, I like to describe it as you're watching... Because a lot of people watch me on their TVs. That's how people watch Twitch. Mm. Um, I like to describe it as you're watching a great TV show that you love, but you can talk to it and it might talk back, which is like <laughs> the best, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what it is. So I started off just streaming like, uh, like Portal 2 is quite a popular like puzzle robot. Quite mm -hmm. a, it's quite a nice game. And I, got, I, I did that a bit and I got a bit bored of it. I thought this isn't really my thing. Um, I don't really like just talking about my personal life and stuff like that either on stream. So... Um, Eventually, the idea just came to me of playing one of my favorite retro games, which is uh, Pro Evolution Soccer 5, to the, uh, yeah, uh, PES 5, which is a game that was out in 2005, which it was the first football game I really got into when I was like 13, I think, roughly. Mm. Um, and I thought, I'll just play that again. And then I just had the idea. I bought a green screen and uh, like a, a ring light and stuff uh, for quite cheap off Amazon that arrived. And I thought, right, well, if I'm going to be on screen, I should just be the football manager. Um, just wear a suit on my top half. And that was literally it. I thought, and also when I did that, I thought this is an idea that I'm sure everyone has done kind of thing. I didn't think it was original, but it turns out that like no one has done this specific thing at all. Like I get compared to this Dr. Disrespect guy because I guess he's changed what Twitch is in a way and he has lots of crazy backgrounds and stuff but still it's not it's nothing like him um yeah and i started with me playing the game i all i have to do is very easy i just change the background to like a dressing room do a team talk change it to one of those like you know where football managers have their interviews after games yeah. you can get Sponsor those off screen Google. yeah yeah Sponsorship things, screens, yeah, yeah. Just do a like a post match interview after, be a bit like Mourinho type, you know, blame the ref and sort of moan a little bit. Um, and that's all it was. And then gradually it just grew from there where I started giving uh, players voices. 
Um, and then obviously the next thing after that is you start putting storylines in and that's it really. And it's just, I've just kept it going for like, I started in late April. Uh, what are we now? August. I do it three times a week. Do you know what? I want to talk more about how your streams are going on now, but I think what's really cool about your story is that it's really organic. Like, so your first stream when you kind of put donned on the suit and started mm-hmm. off Pez United, it was really different though, wasn't it? It was literally more gameplay, right? And when you say storylines, you kind of threw it in, but like you kind of gone from there to like there's whole episodes now where there is no football <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, when I first, it's quite funny watching the very first ones back because like even the voices I do for the players are like rubbish. <laughs> like it just sounds like it clearly sounds like me doing a voice. Whereas now I'm a bit better at that kind of thing, and and the whole thing is much more slick and looks better. Um, yeah, like it was. Yeah, I didn't really know what I was doing at first, and also it was a bit of a mess because um, have you played Pro, Pro Evo? Oh it's yeah, a- man, I lo- I love Pro. I love Pro. You love it. I was yeah. a, I was a pro. I was always a pro. You know, it was pro or FIFA. It was FIFA. Me too. I was always like pro because pro's the simulation. FIFA's the game. I'm a sim yeah. guy. That's what it was. FIFA's for children, isn't it? FIFA's like basically if somebody was to give you Street Fighter and if you just pressed one button, it did all the pun- all the different types of punches for you. you no, know? whereas Absolutely. if you have a full simulation, I feel like when I play FIFA, I'm actually improving my real life football. Uh, when I play Pez, I'm improving my real life football skills on the pitch. <laughs> wow. That's, that's, <laughs> that's quite a statement. <laughs> it's, it's true. hundred percent true. That's interesting. Yeah. So like when I started, so I, okay. So I switched from Pez to FIFA in like 2012 when Pez had a bit of a dip, like some of the games got quite poor. Yeah. yeah you um, know yeah. So going, playing Pez five, right. I thought the problem with the stream might be that the game is too easy for me because I was so good at it when I was 13 uh, and then when I played it, man, it's it's not it's hard. Different, like, right? It's, it's really not easy. <laughs> like the thing, the difference with FIFA is that, like, um, like a through ball, for example, on FIFA, you just press triangle and it will go straight through to your striker. So easy. Or you do a cross, it will land straight on someone's head. Yep. In this, you have to time everything. Yeah. Um, or you'll give it away. Like, um, and so when I first started, I was just. I couldn't score and I just kept losing and it was so frustrating and I just thought, I don't know what I'm going to, so I was like panicking about that. It's quite interesting as well with streaming. Like it's a bit like, uh, it's a bit like stand up or I guess even podcasting anything where when you first start, you're full of like panic (laughs) of anything going (laughs) wrong. And it's like now, like if you had a technical problem and like, I don't know, your internet went off or whatever, it's fine. You just call me back and I know you anyway, it's all right. But like if it was your first podcast, you'd be freaking out and all flustered and stuff. Yeah. And I got like that on my first streams where if something went wrong or I had a small tech, like my controller stopped working once and I, I think I was blushing. I thought everyone is going to leave. Uh. Like this is the end, <laughs> basically. <laughs> but that, that's, that's not what Twitch is like. Everyone is very patient. They're there for the whole thing. So even like if I start rambling about something, if I pause the game and start talking rubbish, it's all part of it. It's like a full, the whole thing is entertainment. Also, people don't necessarily watch it like they're watching a film. They, they sort of, um, they can have it on in the background. You know, a lot of people stream for like four hours. That's like quite common. Mine tend to be maximum two hours usually. Um, yeah, sorry, I can ramble quite a lot, by the way. Continue, please crack on, crack on, mate. Uh, what was the, did I answer your question? <laughs> I just asked how you were today about 30 minutes ago. And this is, this is where we are. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I no, have, I th- the thing is, I have a lot. I have a lot to say about Twitch. You know. Yeah. No. And I think it's great because I think the reason it's really interesting talking to you about it is that you're not super long in the tooth. So, but you have yeah. been doing it for a while. So I feel like it's quite a relatable conversation for those who want to get into streaming, which I'll ask you about later. You know, if you want to get into streaming, what are your tips and such? Sure. sure. But it's just interesting to hear from your point of view, because you're, you're enjoying this really lovely explosion. I mean, like for example, IGN have had you, you know, covered you a few times really with regards to your content. And I was like, for you, was that quite interesting when you had one of the world's, if not the world's (laughs) biggest outlets for kind of, uh, gaming journalism saying, Hey, we want to hit you up because you're doing something different on Twitch. It was ridiculous because like, I've, got, I've got management that look after me and they have uh, a PR side and they try and get me some stuff. Yeah. So quite nicely, they got me, I told my management, I want to write for The Guardian about Twitch and they got me a little article where I got to do that, um, which was amazing. And then suddenly, like out of nowhere, um, IGN did a tweet about me and they'd written an article saying binge this series because I stick it all on YouTube. Uh, and that was crazy. It turns out a few of the guys that write for IGN and stuff watch my stream because they just really enjoy it. Uh, and then they did a little documentary about me on YouTube as well. Um, yes, it's crazy. Like the, you can't get better PR than. And also, like I know IGN really well. I used to. I, I hadn't looked at it for a while, but it's where I used to always read stuff on there about games. Years ago, I know it's a massive thing. They've got like. I think they got like 7 million Twitter followers or something stupid. Um, And I started getting all that thing of like, because they said the Twitch streamer that's reinvented the platform. I got loads of those like American kids being like, no, he hasn't. Doctor (laughs) disrespected that. And like, just really angry. (laughs) But that's when you know that it's going well. Like when you start randomly getting, not abuse, but just people saying what you do is rubbish without even watching it, which I I don't mind. Um, Of course. Yeah, it's been really nice. And I've got, I've got some other stuff uh coming up that i'll i can't really say i'll tell you about it when we finish recording but it's, <laughs> it's all very nice and also like it's just the chance to be creative like this for me is just incredible because like um basically right the situation i was in before is that i've been doing stand-up for like what is it like seven years yeah yes yeah about seven years when i did like my first open mic kind of thing and then in 2016, I got nominated for an Edinburgh Award, which is like a big, a massive hype thing, right? You don't get any money for it or anything, but you're nominated. I didn't win the thing, but still a nomination is considered a really like important thing. Um, and then honestly, for about the last four years, it's just been meetings about stuff. Uh, and I've turned a lot of stuff down because most of the stuff has been like, uh, do you want to do this Muslim thing? Do you want to do this Asian thing? And it's, the thing is, I'm not against doing that sort of thing, but it's really cringy stuff. Like, basically, it's always written by a white guy and it's bad. (laughs) And they want me to basically come on and make it okay. So I was asked, like, the most recent one, I was asked to come in as a writer and star in some show uh, about Muslims, totally written by a white guy. And I was like, what? And it was, also, it was rubbish. Like, it was, it was like... Uh, I shouldn't be too specific, but I don't really care. Um, It was about like a couple of detectives who are like lapsed Muslims who pretend to be religious to get in with this community. And then it turns out there's some terrorist or something. And it's like everything I hate. (laughs) Um, And the thing is, because you get the email and it says like, oh, do you want to be like a detective in a thing? And I'm like, I love detective stuff. Uh, I was really excited. And There's you thinking that, oh, no. you're going to get your Luther on, your, your Touch exactly. of Frost on, your Inspector Morse. So you thought, yes, <laughs> I've made it. There we go. The wire, I've got this. 
<laughs> the wire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the British wire. Yeah. Um, that's Top Boy, isn't it, to be fair, sort of. Um, yeah, and then, and then it's always that. It's like you scroll down in the email and it's like, oh, no, it's because they've seen like your name and your color and stuff. And it's basically just based on that. And they probably wanted a more famous Muslim anyway. <laughs> and they've sort of gone down the list because I'm not on TV or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's constantly been that. So literally to the point where I was pitching ideas to TV and radio and stuff, which, so I was told by an Asian producer that um, I have to Trojan horse my way in, which means that I pretend it's an idea about being Muslim and then I get to do my own thing. So I was writing up these ideas which were like that. So, which is kind of depressing, but you don't really think about it when you're doing it. You don't realize how unhappy it makes you at the time. Um, and now with Twitch, I'm just a football manager. Like, and so many people, like I get between, it's, it, the, the viewers are really up and down depending on obviously what's going on, but it's between like, I'd say 500 to 1,000 people tune in. It's uh, a considerable live. amount of people live watching yeah. you and following you, just sitting there watching your every move. Do you know what I mean? It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, like, yeah, I can't believe. It. I couldn't believe when I had like fifty. I thought that is because that, that's a good gig. If you do a yeah. gig in like a small, like a basement room kind of thing with like fifty people like packed in, that's good. That's a great gig. Now, to be honest with you, he's doing a lot more than fifty people on his stream regularly right now. <laughs> he's doing really well, um, and also us at How to Kill an Hour, we decided to do something which is really peculiar when I try and explain it to people. So his team that he's created, Pez United, his football team that he streams about, uh, have got a football kit, and we are at How to Kill an Hour a sponsor of them. So what we'll do is in the Show description for this episode, we'll pop in a link where you can support Pez United uh, and also, yeah, you'd be rocking a kind of bit of how to kill an hour merchandise as well, I guess, because we're sponsors. So, yeah, you're kind of supporting an amazing Twitch channel and us as well. Um, so, anyway, more about Pez United. It's really the thing that's really helped Zafar Cakes blow up. So, here's a bit more about it. Yeah, now it's like I've I've found the thing that works best. And also it's great because I clip out bits of the Twitch stream, put them on twi Twitter, which really helps, stick them on YouTube. I put the full streams up on YouTube, which people really like because Twitch, I think Twitch isn't always the best to watch stuff back on. Uh, people much prefer, it's just much easier to use YouTube. So every night I upload the full stream straight to YouTube, edit some clips, sleep quite late. <laughs> I hear that. I was going to say it must be quite a bit of work at, at, for you at the moment, like in terms of doing stuff, because you are writing a show now. Like you're writing in, like I said, I, I didn't say it flippantly, and this wasn't an, an out of place remark. Your episodes now, some of them don't have any football whatsoever. Like we have a yeah. a new character who's uh, quite demonic in his demeanor, <laughs> and <Risa>. you, uh, yeah, <laughs> you, you went over, <laughs> you went over to Risa's house, and yeah, we that did. was a surprise. So I should say though, it doesn't. None of it is scripted. It's just like a few bullet points, and it's all improvised. So like, serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the first time the Risa thing happened was, I just gave him like a kind of scary voice, and I wasn't sure what he was at first, but he just kind of goes like, "Thank you, sire." And I thought it was so funny that he called me Sire and it made me laugh for ages on the stream that I'd done that. And that just carried on as a thing where something has happened. We're not sure what, but he's either, he's got possessed. I might've had something to do with it. I might be possessed now, <laughs> but it's not, <laughs> it's not very clear. And he also might be a vampire. Like it's not, you know, it's, it's not, 
it doesn't really make sense. So yeah, we had an episode. So what, oh, I should tell you, there's a structure that I do. So normally on a Monday, it's fully improvised, just play games and be a manager. Uh, Wednesday, we have a guest on, which is like a person who's part of the club. So like the owner of the club or um, I don't know, all sorts of different roles. Um, and they're usually a comedian that I'm friends with. I just get them on to improvise some non, they don't even know about football most of the time. I give them some bullet points and we improvise. Mm. And then on Friday we do some crazy thing where it's a pre-planned thing. So like, yeah. So last Friday I did one, I think it was one of my best ones where it was a seance. So we went over to Reese's house, which is a castle, um, like a haunted castle. And I had like a Ouija board thing, which by the way, it didn't, that wasn't hard to set up. That only took like, 10, 20 minutes to, to make all of that. It really wasn't as hard as it looks kind of thing. Yeah, and bats uh, and got stuff some, flying around as well. That looked pretty cool. Just a GIF or a GIF off, off, off Google. That's all it is. And you put it in, it's quite easy. Um, and then all we had was Discord. Um, where people, So Discord, basically, it's a bit like Zoom, if people don't know Discord, but gamers use it. I guess that's the best way to describe it for now. Um, I just had people lined up. I just put a message out. I said, if you want to be on this as a caller, I didn't tell them what was going to happen. Uh, just let me know. And then I just, I just called the people one at a time and we were like, spirit, are you there? And then each person was like the spirit of a dead football fan, uh, whatever. There's a character that everyone loves called Barry, who's quite an angry Pez United fan. And he died, which we didn't know about, but he came oh. back. On. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, uh, by the way, is played by my brother. Uh, Barry, which everyone is always wants to know who it is but yeah my brother does it and we had I had a few uh, viewers just call in and just say some fun stuff and they were all really good and I had uh, Suze Kempner who's a comedian was on as the spirits of Dead EastEnders characters which was incredible she was so funny like again all improvised but she just stole the show so much she was Dot Cotton uh, her Dot Cotton son Nick who she killed <laughs> and she was in hell with him <laughs> yes. killing him again and again <laughs> yes um, and she was Pat Butcher in heaven when we called her again and Peggy Mitchell as well or if you know EastEnders they're all like iconic characters mm. um, and it was incredible it's like yeah like as a comedian you don't you don't get the chance to do this usually um, you don't because everything you do has to be so like considered and you don't get to just have fun because it's like your time is so precious now when you're, when you're previewing a new show, you can't waste your stage time. You know, if you've got a good audience and you have to try all of your best ideas out, there's not much room for silliness. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's really like the whole, I mean, is it fair to say the Twitch audience as a whole is probably one of the nicer audiences online? You know what? I can't say that because we, we had a thing uh, a month, maybe a couple of months ago called Blackout. No, not it wasn't. I think, hold on. I think it was a Blackout Wednesday and it wasn't to do with the uh, Black Lives Matter thing. It was to do with, well, it was partly that actually. It was to do with all the abuse on Twitch that mainly women get and, and really? all racism. Yeah, because it's gamers, isn't it? There's the whole Gamergate thing. Yeah. So they're all on Twitch and nothing gets done about them. So they, they're anonymous. They've got a stupid name. They can come on, say whatever they want. They get banned. But that's the end of it. They can make a new account and come back. So luckily, I've not had anything that bad yet. I've had a few people come and be rude, but I just ignore them most of the time because luckily the chat is quite busy. Mm. So I, it just disappears. Um, but yeah, female streamers get a lot of, as it, you know, that's the case with women anyway, generally, get, get, tend to get some of the worst stuff, worst creepy stuff. Um, yeah, I've, I think I'm quite lucky that because I'm a character, 
when I'm the football manager, how do you give me abuse? Like, it's kind of hard to do. And also, I'm quite aggressive anyway. So I tell my viewers to shut up randomly <laughs> as a joke. But I'll just say, shut up, mate, like over yeah. very small things and get quite angry at them because I'm this unhinged football manager. Um, so I guess maybe that's why. So I, I think if you're on as yourself, it, it def- I mean, it happens everywhere. I'd say it's definitely nicer than Twitter, which is yeah. just like hell. Yeah, um, yeah Twitter at the yeah. moment is, is, is just not a fun like some yeah. of the most ridiculous things on Twitter. So yeah, I noticed that with Twitch. Can we talk a bit more about your character as well? And his um, he's 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 got an addictive personality. To be fair, hasn't he? Can we chat yeah, about that? Bilal? So yeah, sure. So, <laughs> so what happened is right at the start of the stream when I only had I'd say thir- between I don't know it was actually between like ten and fifty people at the very start. Yeah, right? yeah. I was addicted. So hot Pepsi is the drink that we drink. And that just came from, <laughs> I was just drinking. Uh, I, I don't know what I was having. It might have even been water in the cup, right? And someone said, what are you drinking? And I said, it's a hot cup of Pepsi. And that just stuck as the thing. And that became our sponsor of the club as well. Is Pepsi spelt wrong? Um, that was the thing I went with. And then I would add something to my Pepsi and I would add, so I can't remember how I was doing it, but I was adding a little bit of liquid in and I set, basically I tried to deny it, but it was, um, it was cough syrup with codeine in it, which, um, <laughs> that's what, that's what rappers drink yeah. in America, right? Uh, it's called lean or lean yes, on that lean. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it's quite funny that this football manager is drinking, is addicted to a drink that rappers drink in America. I thought that's quite random. And then as time went on, I, as I was getting more viewers, I realized like you can't, you can't make jokes about taking a real drug. Um, so then literally one stream, I had like not a mouth ulcer. I had wisdom tooth pain, which was really annoying me. And I had some Bongella and I was just taking it on stream. Uh, and I was being quite animated that stream anyway. Um, and it looked like the Bongella was doing that to me. So then it turned out I had a Bongella addiction and then that became a thing. And I sort of took that as far as I could to the point where I had to have an intervention. And <laughs> I took my golf cart on the motorway um, <laughs> and I went to the golf course, which is my favorite place. Yes. And all my players were there and they sang Fast Car to me by Tracy Chapman, obviously. Um, <laughs> And that, yeah, that was, I was, I love that. I really love that stream. Um, yeah, that, so, so there's all sorts, there's room for all sorts of things, all sorts of scandals that I've not even done yet. Um, there's, there's still loads more to come, hopefully. But yeah, I, I think there is. And, you know, and also there's a little bit of football in there as well, which is, it's yeah. just cool too. Um, so in terms of kit, what's really interesting is, is that every streamer has their own kind of setup. They have elaborate, you know, mm-hmm. fancy lighting in the background or they have a green screen. For you, how important was that in terms of getting your stream out there? So obviously the green screen is hugely important because without it, I couldn't do the fancy background stuff and I wouldn't want it to look like, it couldn't be my bedroom and yeah. to be wearing a suit and being a manager. It wouldn't make any sense. So yeah, it was massively important. Um, but like you go one step at a time and I try and tell people that when I give them advice, I'm like, you don't have to spend like a thousand pounds. So at first my setup was the Logitech C920, which is the standard like streaming camera, which I think yeah. I got for like 80 quid. Yep. Uh, ring lights are like, I don't know, they're like between like 10 and 30 quid on, um, on Amazon. The green screen was like 30 quid. My PC cost about 300 pounds and I bought it mainly for editing. It's not really a gaming PC, so I can't play the latest stuff on it. Um, so yeah, and, and also my microphone. So I got like a good, I got like a fancy one now. But um, at the start, I bought an Amazon Basic mic, which um, 
I think it was like £25 and it was really good. It broke. I don't know what happened to it. I don't know if that's the mic itself or I banged it or something, mm. but it, it, it went all muffly basically. So I had to get a new one. But um, so the, obviously the kit is very important to get started. You can't do it. With, like I wouldn't advise streaming without a webcam a, a webcam because I've seen people do it where it's just a voice and it's just not as fun. You don't get the connection with the person. Um and again, I wouldn't stream in silence either. People do that. People stream and you can't see them or hear them. And it's like, why would I want to watch this? Yeah, yeah. That's a bit odd. That's just, yeah. that's how I watch Twitch though. Like some people watch it for the gameplay. I watch it for the entertainment. So I tend to watch people that are quite funny and it's their personality. So like Limmy, for example, who's a good friend of mine, he sort of encouraged me to get on Twitch as well. He's so funny on Twitch. Like he plays like, he plays like Dead by Daylight, which looks like quite a fun game. I still don't really understand it but I watch it for the entertainment of it all and him getting frustrated and him laughing when he manages to kill all the people. And st- you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so yeah, I'd say obviously the kit is very important, but you don't have to, uh, I wouldn't say you have to splash out at like loads of money. Like in fact, I wanted to do an article. Uh, so my, the guardian thing I wrote originally, I wanted it to be about how Twitch is like the theater for working class people because you can do shows like you can do you can do as many shows as you want and your setup can be like 400 pounds yeah which you can make back through twitch uh and the people watching watch for free which is the complete opposite to having to have like uh you know acting training uh, or like paying like 50 quid for a theater ticket and all of that nonsense yeah know? i mean it's really brought the barrier down hasn't it with regards to access and i suppose uh, you know i'm not going to ask you for like details uh like financials uh, but you know it is a sustainable career isn't it twitch you can and we have seen people you know have a career out of it do you know what i mean it's a good way to supplement things especially if you are a comedian who can't get on stage live at the moment mm. yeah well like I, I don't want to get too excited but right now it's very it's, it's good i'm making a nice amount of money monthly but obviously i don't have any guarantee with it so i don't know if my subs could drop off and if they shouldn't, you know, they really shouldn't, but it's, it's not like, no, I'm don't you dare. You should not. <laughs> no, 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 no. I won't. By the way, I'm determined not to. Oh, no, I was actually talking to your subscribers saying, don't you dare oh, unsubscribe. I, no, not you, I thought you were giving me a, like a pep talk, like an aggressive. No. Oh no. A pep talk for yeah. you would sound so different. Okay. Thank you. You've got this man. Uh, Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, so yeah, but you know, you don't want to get, you know, when you start getting something, it is on a, month by month basis. Yeah. Like you're never going to get the paid the same amount monthly unless it's like a fluke basically. So it will always go probably up and down. I have to, I guess I have to judge it after a year. It's only been, I started in April because you have to become affiliate first and then you can become a Twitch partner, which is the top thing, which I am now. Uh, I've only been paid three times by Twitch so far. Right. It's only been three months of actual like proper subs where I get paid kind of thing. And paid, he is getting, and rightly so, because Zafarcakes' channel is great to watch on Twitch. I suggest you really do check it out. Now, switching over to another creative mind, George the Poet, who absolutely has smashed the podcast game. He picked up, I mean, we're happy for picking up a British Podcast Award. This guy picked up so many gongs at the British Podcast Award. The next year, they were like, you can't even enter now. You have to be on the panel of judges. Yeah, that's how well he did. Uh, anyway, George the Poet jumped on the show and we spoke all about his creativeness and his creative process, but also where his podcast called Have You Heard George's Podcast came from. 
I usually have a lot of thoughts flying around. And for the majority of my life, I've never been able to express all of those thoughts in one way. Um, rapping, I became a rapper when I was 15. That was my first outlet. When I went to uni, I was about 19. That's when I became a poet. It was a different audience. I didn't think they would understand me as a rapper. Poetry became my new outlet. When I left uni, I signed a record deal and it became musical poetry. And that gave me a new way to express myself and gave the audience new ways to imagine what we can do with lyricism. Um, but I left the record deal two years after I signed. And when I left, that's when I really had a lot of, I really felt like I had to go back to the drawing board because I, I, I didn't think that being a, a commercial radio artist would maximize my potential. Um, but I didn't know what would. I, I couldn't see anything that would really be a lane. I tried, I, I looked into TV, but then I saw the TV, the, the business behind the TV world would put me in a junior position relative to who I felt I, I really was in it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to prove my capabilities um, in a way that doesn't require me working up one industry at a time. I'm just going to do me. And if the industries that I'm interested in become interested in, in, in my expression, then we can have a more, you know what I'm saying, a more respectful conversation. So the podcast sprang from me realizing that podcasting is one space where I can probably get more off of my chest than I would in a song, but it's not quite TV, so I won't need a big team. I just put together these different sounds and ideas that I've got in my brain and it became a new thing. Yeah, it's amazing. Isn't it great that with a podcast, and you do a lot of this across your podcast, is you describe things, sometimes in really great detail, so we can see it the way you want us to see it. But then also, you might just say, you know, for example, you're, you're in a room or you're in a certain area, and, and me as a listener, I'm going to use my own mind to build that. You don't need, you know, special effects, that, you know, that you would in TV to create this whole scene. You can just explain where you are. You know, you're in a room drinking from a cup. I'm seeing what that cup is. I'm seeing what that room is without you even having to say that, you know? Bro, it's crazy you say that because I was thinking, I just like one of the first thoughts I had this morning, like um, everyone's always saying to me, gee, I can't wait for you to make the podcast visual. And of <laughs> course that, that is going to be a, a turning point. But at the same time, the minute you do that, you deny the listener their own opportunity to build their picture in their mind exactly as they want to see it. 100%. So it's a double-edged sword. It's kind of like when you read a book and you watch the movie. I mean, it's literally it. that, isn't it? You know, I it feel like that. sometimes I've watched a movie and I feel a bit disappointed. And sometimes I feel like you've, you've done well, but it's only because I'm going, right, well, you're close to what my version of that story was in my head. So that's... Yeah, and you know that that means that yeah. you're far from someone else's version. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I mean, for somebody who hasn't listened to your podcast, how would you explain, have you heard George's podcast? What would it be like? I mean, because I think as an audience nowadays, people are used to hearing podcasts like this where I'm having a talk mm. with somebody. They're used to have, hearing a couple of friends have a laugh, you know. Um, they're used to some stuff which has a little bit of narrative, but yours has a real strong narrative to it, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess the narrative is my, is my life, um, my perspective my growth as a public voice. I'm just figuring all of this out. The way I would describe it is if you think about that corner of your mind where you feel, 
but you cannot put words to what you feel. I've tried to create sounds for that corner, tried to create a soundtrack. Yeah. So it's like when, when, when I was a kid, I used to watch Disney movies and I didn't have a wide vocabulary when I was watching these movies, but I knew that what I felt was like the depths of the ocean and the expanse of the universe. I just didn't have the words for it. So I went back to, and I felt like, I feel like as we get older, we get used to forms of communication that we can all agree on. So we pay less attention to the stuff that can't be communicated because we just assume no one else is going to get it. But with this podcast, I just let go. And I was like, if, if people don't get it, that's fine. But I know what I'm feeling. And, and your feeling is, is all over it. I mean, you talk a lot in both of the seasons about where you come from and, and you know, how society was back when you were younger and how it is today, how some things have changed and how something, some things haven't. I mean, it's, it means something to me that you're from NW10 as well. I mean, I grew up in the end, so, you know. Oh, so I don't. Yeah, yeah. So I was, I was more Halsden. So listeners are like, oh, look at you talking about ends. But I was more Halsden and, and Stonebridge when I was younger and I moved to Kensal Green. So when I hear that, you know, you grew up in the States, you know, St. Raffs, as we used to call it back yeah. in the day, I, yeah. I started to, to, to really visualize and, and connect with you, especially when you spoke about things that resonated uh, in North, or Northwest London at that time. I mean, to hop yeah. forward into season two for a sec, when you spoke about Cameron and you spoke about the, the whole Dipset wave, I mean... That for me, as a as a young man in that area, I felt like they were probably one of the most influential rap groups ever, yeah. especially at yeah. that time. I I wanted to dress like Cameron. I wanted to. There was a scene where Cameron steps out of a, a of a pink Range Rover yeah. in, in one of the Dipset videos, and I remember watching that and going, "Geez, that's probably one of the most powerful visions yeah. I've seen of this guy kind of just making everything pink and embellishing the color." I, I used to just write dipset on yeah. all of my uh, classwork. Yeah. And all of my school. I just wrote dipset, dipset, dipset <laughs> everywhere. But I appreciate that you're from Northwest. That does that that already I feel a deeper connection. It's just it's just yeah. how it is, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um I mean and, and what's great is somebody from for like myself who's I've grown up in it and so it's great hearing about it. I also feel like you're very inclusive. So if you're not from that environment, you're drawing in a lot of people and you even take time in your podcast to even come back on certain points and loop back and be like, oh, you might not have got that if you're not from the end. So let me break this down a bit for you. But also when I'm listening to that, I don't feel patronized as well. So that's a really nice balance. I mean, how important is it for you as your podcast for you to make sure that, you know, you address and talk to people in a language that, you know, we can understand, but also the general public can as well, who have no experience of what George's life is like. Very important, bro. The, the way I see an artist's career, it's like a campfire. People come around the fire for the warmth and the light, and you never know who you might end up sitting next to. Right? So if I'm creating that space, I want to make sure that people can come and toast their little marshmallows and talk amongst themselves and not feel like you have to be a certain kind of person to understand me. Yeah. All right. I hear that. And a big part of that also is the, is the visual soundscape as well. And you and Ben Brick worked together real hard to make that happen. Can we talk about your relationship and how that came together? Because that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, Ben Brick's like, he's an angel. He reached out to me when I was still in uni, invited me down to his studio. We chopped it up. We tried a few musical ideas. They were good at the time. But like I said, 
I didn't feel like I had really landed on my artistic language yet. So um, I just checked in with him every year. Like, we were always respectful. He was a great out-the-box thinker. That's what I appreciated about him. He would say to me, yo, you should get your poetry in the new GTA game or you should try and make your thing bust in South America. He just he thought differently. So when I came to him at the start of 2018 and I said, I'm working on a podcast, I want it to be cinematic. He had already been working on some film-like ideas and he sent me over some stuff. We just took it from there. Amazing, amazing. And together you have managed to create a number of worlds that are, I'd say, relatable. And then in the second season, we go into a totally different part of your mind. I'm trying to kind of allude to it without kind of breaking out too much. But, you know, you take us on a whole journey into a different part of, of the way you think, which is great because you also, I don't know if you, obviously you're aware of this, like you're also break down some quite advanced science. It's very educational, like your, your yeah. second season as well, like, and not just in terms of, of uh, bringing us up to speed in terms of where you're from, but you also really, you know, you discuss things like sleep. You break it down in a way that you come off the back of that podcast going, wow, okay, I didn't realize that's how that process worked. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Did you do quite a bit of research into kind of the way the mind works when you were breaking that down? It goes back to Benbrick. First of all, thank you so much for really taking it in. This is, it's great to have these conversations where someone's really thought it through. Yeah. Um, Benbrick gave me a book last year called Why We Sleep. I mean, he didn't even give it to me. He was just reading it and he mentioned something about it. I got curious. I read it too. Yeah. And shouts out to the scientist behind it. His name is Matthew Walker. And it broke down in um, like basic terms, really why sleep is like a health uh, health um, it's a health issue the amount of sleep that you get and I started thinking really deeply about it I realized that I never valued sleep I grew up thinking that if you can um, not sleep for as long as possible that indicates how strong or how focused you are or how mm-hmm. driven you are yeah and yeah. a lot of us have that um, culture drained in, um, drilled into us but I didn't think that that was how I wanted to continue after reading the book. And I also felt like this is something important to share with my audience. From talking about sleep, I can talk to you about my dreams. I can talk to you about health, public health. I can talk about um, science, the science of how the brain works. And it's also important for me in my career to make sure that I am teaching as many different subjects as possible. I struggled in school. Um, my, my grades were okay, but it was hard for me to, like the classroom format didn't fit. And I strongly believe that art is where I really came alive as an academic. And I'm constantly trying to prove that point. Art can be used to teach, you know, not just, not just for things that are perceived as soft, or easy or sky of our kind of ideas but real neuroscience in this case yeah that's right neuroscience in an entertaining podcast from a spoken word master is honestly 
check it out George the Poets podcast have you heard George's podcast it's out on all good podcasting platforms also BBC Sounds app as well uh, from one genius to another Ludwig Goransson the gentleman who is behind so much good music I mean uh, notably Childish Gambino's Redbone um, uh, New Girl the show he's made uh, music for that TV show uh, and as well as that he is also working on scoring films and Tenet a film which dropped this summer kind of in between the lockdown so we could actually go out to the cinema and watch it that was one of the films that he scored him and christopher nolan got together and it's really interesting we had a conversation about how he influenced the visuals of the film and how the visuals of the film influenced his scoring of it in a cyclical circle which is almost as confusing as trying to watch the film itself first time <laughs> i was only joking it is a complex one you got you can't you can't be eating the popcorn and not paying attention to this one anyway ludwig garanson was on the show episode 374 and this is him talking about tenet well i was you know i've been a fan of nolan's film since you know since i was uh i mean since i saw batman begins i think which cool. was i was i don't know i was about 18 19 and i saw it in a theater yeah. and to me it's like it's like one of the most one of the one of the best experiences you like you have in today's pop culture um yeah and just the way that he uses sound audio and visual in his films is is groundbreaking and it really is when you hear it in the format it's made for in the theater, it really feels like almost like you're going to an amusement park. You have you, you feel like you're in for an adventure. It's an event, it's an experience, and and it's you know, there's only a few you, you only get a few chances like that in, in, in your life per per year. And, you know, I I I'm I thought it was I'm 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 happy you I'm happy you got to see it in the theater. Yeah, man, got to see it, got to hear it, and got to feel it as well. Because you know, yeah. you've you, you designed the sound so that it's something that really uses the full frequency of speakers. And I think for me personally, a cinema experience for me is is seeing it big and also feeling that sound as well. Um, yeah. Be honest with us, though, Ludwig. When when you first kind of had the call and the conversation about working on a Nolan film. How did you feel? Because like you said, he's you he uses sound in a very interesting way. He's been known to. So how was that when you kind of had that feeling that, you know, or you had the conversation about potentially working together? I was extremely excited. Yeah. I mean, I have to say I was extremely excited. You know, like I said, like when I saw Batman Begins in the theater and I heard what he and, and Zimmer done together for that movie. It was oh, groundbreaking. Yeah. You know, yeah. they, they changed the, the, they changed cinema yeah. and to be able to, to get a, a look into inside that man's mind and, and, and brain. It was fascinating. You know, he's, he's, he, he is as fascinating brilliant as, as you would expect him to be. And, and he's just, he's so interested in every single detail in what's going on, like from the clothing to the set design, to my music, and you know, from the from the first note to the very last note that I write, he's really he's really a part of everything in in, in a great respectful way, and just he the way why how we were able to do what we did is that I, he had me got he got me started incredibly early in the process. I was starting to write music and starting on demos months before they start shooting the film. So when he took off the shoot in Tallinn. He had, you know, ten CDs of my music in his portable CD player. 
Wow. Okay. Because I was going to ask you about the production process and how that how it's different for film. So you had a was it like a conversation around the premise of this of, of the film, or did you get to read some scripts before you started these these you know these processes? Yeah, I um, I read the script. Before that, the first meeting we had was just me and him in a studio, yeah, uh, playing music to each other. We were just kind of we we were just bonding. He played music from his like kind of like the soundtrack to his life and i was playing the soundtrack to my life and we were just it was like about six hours just talking about music cool, cool. and by the end of that meeting he was like hey do you want to come in tomorrow and read the script for my new project uh yeah. so i went in the day after i read the script uh and we had a conversation i had all these kinds of ideas of of production and he i i, I was kind of struck immediately struck by how interested he was in these kind of obscure production music production ideas but he really wanted to pick them apart and and just the way that he was caught up with my my uh music producing ideas was was really interested interesting to me nice nice uh, and then yeah and then and then he asked me to come back next week with some demos and i start so i started to write music and i wrote about 10 music a week 10 minutes of music every two weeks. And then I came to his studio and I played them for him. And we sat there together, listening to it over and over again. And he was dissecting it, like talking about the sounds that he likes, talking about, oh, this is a melody. I think it really worked for this character. Or this chord progression is really interesting. Can we develop that further? And so every two weeks I came on and we started building out the sound world like that. We started building out a, a whole fresh sound world from from nothing so would you say it's quite possible that maybe the sounds that he heard and the ideas you you conversed about had the direct relation to maybe how some of the visuals in the film worked because if he's sitting down and he's having these conversations with you before they've even flicked a camera on that's quite a possibility isn't it that you you know you helped to influence the story in the film absolutely and it's it's interesting that you bring that up because he's he called me from I think he was in Tallinn and he was like, I'm shooting this, uh, <laughs> I'm, sh I'm shooting the opening, the prologue of the movie right now. And I'm listening to this, I'm listening to this song that you, the, to this demo that you made. And I have an idea if we, if we put a lot more distortion on these synths, like if we can get the energy even to pop out even further. So he already had this, like he had this demos in his mind when he was <laughs> creating some of the sh shoots. It was incredible. That's insane. That's really cool. Just to wheel it back a bit quickly, Ludwig, you know, when you were talking about how you kind of played the soundtrack to each other's lives, I'm curious, can you remember any of the tracks that Christopher pulled out? Uh, uh, yeah, I can. He played me a lot of, to me, obscure film music and um, not obscure, but film music I hadn't heard. Uh, but there was, it was actually a really interesting composition he played uh on his computer it was a video of a, a guitar concerto i think it was a brazilian composer that wrote a concerto for an, a guitar orchestra it was about i think his name is branco or something it, it was about 70 guitarists in a concert auditorium playing a symphony together on electric guitars <laughs> <laughs> that must have sounded insane it was insane i never heard anything like it crazy do you, do you remember one of the tracks that you played for him as well uh yeah i played him um oh uh i mean i i i think 
think I definitely, I definitely played him some, some. I gave him the the latest Tame Impala album. Really, Currents. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Oh, that's interesting, man. That's interesting. I mean, yeah. I feel like music's a really good way to get to know somebody. Like, I feel like it really help helps to open up a relationship because if you vibe together to the yeah. same music, it's yeah, it's a level of um. I don't know how would I put it? It's, it's you have a level of synchronicity over yeah. over a Abs- track abs- that you throw down. Absolutely, and it's it. Looking back at it, it's, it's through music that I've have most of my relationships in my life. It's through music I have emotional bonds with with my closest friends. Hundred percent. I mean, I think it's fair to say everybody has a track from their childhood that really stands out to them. You have a track from when you're like a teen that stands out to you know when you're out with some friends and have a great time. For me personally, I have like tracks that remind me of separate summers. You know, so yeah, music is super important to me. Um, Did you get to head over to Tallinn when they were shooting at all to Estonia? I head out to uh, to the to the Eagle uh, Mount Eagle. Oh, sorry the, the the final battle of the movie it takes place in in we, they actually shot that in california okay in all right all right so you went over to california for that shoot that shoot was a big shoot though right that looked insane oh it's the biggest production i've ever been to it's and we had just like a month before that we had just my wife serena and i had just delivered our first baby uh <laughs> so we we were like brought out from the hospital and drove out to the desert and like a couple of weeks later and uh just are thrown into this massive scene we we drive into set and we have like 10 huge helicopters above us there's thousands <laughs> extras in military gear yeah. like go walk running backwards uh and there's robert pattison in a military vehicle just driving straight up the cliff where we're standing and it's like what is this what is this world <laughs> i mean look it's i mean when you're watching it it's insane so i can only imagine because obviously without spoiling the story of the film there is some massive set pieces and what you just described is just this crazy war that's happening within the tenant world where they're using all of the forces available to them and that wow that must have been an experience man and and obviously you know you get to be part of the process you got to see it and then when you finally got to sit down and, and watch the the film itself i mean how was it seeing all of those come together uh you know it was <laughs> that that experience was it was nothing i experienced before it was completely a different experience it's it's when i got to see the film for the first time you know i had already written music but when i get to see the footage that that chris and hoyt shot and and seeing the acting and how many layers there are to it and these images where you 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 really make the audience feel like they're inverted you know the whole yeah. experience yeah. is through the protagonist's eyes and through his mind and you know what was so unique about this movie is that as an audience member you really feel like you're you're experiencing it from from the protagonist's point of view and you really feel like at point of the movie that you're inverted yourself 100% i feel like when the protagonist uh experiences inversion in the film the sound followed that with me was that important for you to kind of try and portray this interesting experience of i mean reverse is the wrong way of putting it it's inversion isn't it how did you kind of explain that to us with sound because i I felt that change in the cinema yeah it's it's that's exactly you're exactly right and you know there's the there's this 
there's a very special scene in the movie where where you see the protagonist going out uh, inverted for the first time and he steps out and he's about he's stepping into a puddle of water and you see you see it in reverse you see the water come up to his shoe and i think the way you see it yeah, yeah. that's that's the way i wanted the music to sound like yeah yeah i 100% and, know what you're talking about yeah and to be able to do that i had to i mean i had to erase as much as I could the typical ways i usually record music um i wanted i i had to i i wanted to reverse the entropy of an instrument and experiment with timing signatures to enhance enhance the feeling of inversions and i i i mean i tried some completely new methods in how to make things sound reverse um i rec- for example i recorded three percussion players <clears throat> i had to play i had them play the main rhythm of the theme i recorded them and then reversed the recording on my computer and played it for the musicians and asked them to emulate the recording. Um, and it, that's extremely challenging, but if you have incredible musicians, they can get pretty close. So I recorded them and then I reversed it again. Um, so there's, <laughs> the, the result of that is, is, is as, the, it's a, as, you, as close you can get with the player sounding like they actually play in reverse. And, and I did that method with the orchestra as well like i it's it's not just playing phrases forwards and backwards it's actually breaking down and reconfiguring the dna of each musical phrase to exaggerate the way being inverted might feel so for instance <clears throat> when the orchestra is playing the protagonist theme we used an extreme approach to vibrato which the violinist didn't like too much um can you say why that is i don't think i can remember from my grade one violin lessons what vibrato is so can you explain that for me in the audience please (laughs) yeah so it's it's a when they attack a note right um you you know you you have a natural way of playing like you're playing a note like but i want it to be it to be extreme because if you if you play if you if you play it in a more extreme way it, sorry for my uh, voice doing that but if you play it in a more extreme way with an extreme vibrato and then reverse it it's going to be a completely different experience so in addition to the inversion that when we reverse that sound um it was very it was so effective at echoing the way it feels for for example during that I don't know if you remember that really memorable overhead shot when you see the inverted waves crashing at the bow of the ship. Yeah, man, that's trippy. That's a trippy shot as well. Yeah, yeah. So I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's that's when that's when I have the, the I had the orchestra play the protagonist theme. Mm. I wrote the melody backwards. I recorded it, and then I reversed the recording again. Wow. So you re- so you one really actually did invert the music and you also had like really pushed these professionals to play in, in ways that they hadn't before to get these sounds. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and we had time, we, we had the time to do that. You know, we, we started out early in the process. We started out writing music early and we started experimenting and, you know, it's, <clears throat> it's interesting because as an audience member, when you go see a movie, you're already expecting what to hear. You're yeah. already when you take a seat, you're already expecting. Okay, well, I'm expecting a, a cinematic, you know, you're expecting a cinematic sound combined, an orchestra sound combined with electronics. So you're you're that's what you're expecting as an audience. Mm. But for this movie, like Chris really wanted to push the boundaries in the audio and visual. So 
um, what I did was I I just I had to manipulate every sound and and I and manipulated the the organic sounds with the electronic sounds. So a lot of points in the movie or in the sound you can't really tell what is what. And I think as an audience that's a very jarring experience. Yeah, jarring but also entertaining. So that's Ludwig Göransson and this was meant to be the end of our best interviews of 2020 but guess what <laughs> we're gonna play something which we've actually had a few messages about so episode 378 we had a gentleman called harry mack on the show who's an amazing freestyler uh phenomenal you throw words at him he can spit back verses and bars few people have said that they think we doctored the episode and cut some bits out and they didn't think, you know, they kind of questioned the validity of it. Now, I'm here to be 100% honest here, Articlenauer. Yes, the episode you did here, we did chop bits up just so that you could get to the freestyle quicker. But why not? And also, it was also kind of recent, so it wasn't really something you can put on, a, on the best interviews of the year because it's a few episodes back. But I thought it'd be fair for us to kind of just to, to, to quash any of your poo-poo chewers, shit-chatters, talking about Harry Mack not being a real freestyler. I thought I'd pull a clip. Uh, of the full build up to the freestyle and the reaction from myself and Dev. Now, the reason we get so excited about some of the words we did not mention just before he drops the freestyle is because he acts without us asking, he actually just starts randomly pulling conversations that we had during the podcast episode and freestyling about those as well, which is absolutely insane. I suggest you listen to the whole of episode 378 because you actually hear about Harry's musical background and how being uh, involved in music has helped him to build up his own freestyle style which if i'm honest is second to none right so uh, i think we'd all be fools if you didn't think we were going to ask you not to freestyle for us today harry after you gave us that <laughs> smack talk about you are on your zenith right now right you could rap on your worst day yeah 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 how do you want to play ready, this then? how do you want to play it how do we do this all right so so i got beats so you guys just got to give me some inspo man can i get some words from you guys okay cool like does it have uh, to just be singular words or do we have to be like how, how, how strict is it uh, there's no rules man there's no rules we're making it up right now <laughs> okay cool um all right um podcast obviously because that's what you're on right now man yeah podcast yep, podcast come quote Come quiet, yeah. <laughs> oh, you came. All right. Brexit. <laughs> Brexit. 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 about Brexit, yeah. yeah. All right, all right. Um, Podcast, come quiet, Brexit. Let me get one more. Um, How about how to kill an hour? You got to put how to kill an hour in there as well, right? Yeah. How to yeah, kill yeah, an yeah. hour. All right, so podcast. podcast, come quiet. Brexit and how to kill an hour. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna like mute. how to kill an hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do it. Let's I'm gonna go. mute myself then. All right. Oh, hold up, hold up. I got to switch this to the... Uh, Harry, second, Harry, just in on. case, are you able to record this on your side as well? We'll edit this bit out. Is that, or is that awkward? Uh, if you can't, it's cool. I think I can. Hold on, hold on. Let me just... I just got to get iTunes coming out the right uh, speakers. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Yep. All right, let's see about now. Um, hold on. Let me just. Sorry, guys. We're gonna get this. That's cool, get man. This. this is what was good about technical editing. difficulties. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's see. I'm quite dev. You fucking asshole. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. There we go. All right. All right. All right. We ready? All right. Cool. Here we go. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, two, one, two. Ah, yeah. One, two, one, two. Ah, yeah. One, two, one, two. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, turn the mic up a level and let the guard blast. I'm reporting live all up on your podcast. Uh, entering all types of zones. Y'all can hear my voice clear through the microphone. Man, I wish we was together all up in the same room. But COVID came through, so we had to use Zoom. Yeah, we solving problems and we using them remedies. Even though it's on the screen, I'm still feeling your energy. Yeah, you stepping in correct and mag, you a dead man. I can share more energy through my webcam than most of these rappers can share in real life. Anytime I'm spitting lyrics, I can do like still night. Yeah, hey yo, they said, dog, you gotta let the verse lay. You just told us you can still spit on your worst day. Uh, lyrics, I'm reporting them to you. I still score mad points like I'm Jordan with the flu. Yeah, and y'all know I'm a rhyme for you. Hey yo, we gon' re- that level though was kinda blue Yeah, I'm about to let you all know what I meant I said right now we gon' hit 110% Let's take it there, yeah, let's take it there Yeah, they stepped the Mac, I don't make it fair Yeah, I make it real, Hey, I'm about to spill Hey, I said don't spread it like the COVID Cause my lyrics is ill I break it down for my folks while I shine like a sunspot Matter of fact, my lyrics, they be juicy like kumquat Anytime I'm spitting, people know when I'm so loose Yeah, I be fresher than your favorite produce When it comes to spitting, I be causing more panic, good for your health like kumquats when they organic, uh, and y'all know that I'm flowing with ease, kinda like a kumquat, it's growing from trees, what's growing from trees, well I'm talking my skill, and I'm talking my paper, cause I'm paying my bills, yeah, talking my mentality, it grows from the roots, I said I got the type of lyrics that they couldn't compute, y'all know I shine like a necklace, your vibe I affect this, my flow infectious, I'm controversial like Brexit, yeah, and y'all know that I'm really spitting flames, word to Brexit, these rappers getting out the game, yeah, they removing themselves from all ties When it comes to lyrics, y'all know that I'm all wise Uh, thinking about Brexit, it got me stressed Cause when I read articles, it sounds like a mess Yeah, but yo, I be living in the US So if you wanna talk a mess, mine will leave you depressed Come on, I keep it honest every time that I spit Anytime I'm kicking lyrics, they be throwing the fit I got the power, rappers turn sour, they get devoured I'm about to show you all how to kill an hour It makes Sense, Cause my freestyle skills are infinite So I could keep rhyming like this for 60 minutes Y'all gotta do a whole separate episode It's just me, Henry Mac letting go They're like, we ain't even have a chance to ask no questions He went for an hour from the microphone testing I rhyme off suggestions, I use your words Anytime I spit my lyrics, it's so fast that it's blurred Yeah, hey yo, y'all know they a friend of my rap How to kill an hour, y'all, we gon' end it like that H. Mac <laughs> Yo, you covered the whole show. You covered the whole show. Killed it. Nah. Nah. The fact that you have to listen to this podcast to understand what you just sewed into that, that's right. Parry, man. That's unfair. Managed to get in the trigger with the flu lines. That's crazy. That's crazy. We appreciate y'all, man. I forgot we even spoke about that, bro. How are you just yeah. putting that and making that rhyme? Crazy. He's throwing in like footnotes, footnotes from the podcast. <laughs> I wanted to give the little spark notes, you know, for, for those who don't have time to listen to the whole thing. So there you go, you know, but I hope they do. They better listen to the whole thing. Yo, right? Hell yeah. Has, Hell yeah. Has, has Harry like the whole time been making mental notes that everything we're yeah. talking about just to put in the face? <laughs> you know, it's funny. A lot of people, a lot of people say that, um, but I don't, I don't do that. I, um, 
with, with, with improv, you quickly learn anything that you plan ahead is going to mess you up. So, um, and, and I, I learned that early on, just being in the cypher when the other dude was rapping, you're thinking like, what's my first line going to be? You're looking around the room. Oh, I'm going to reference that. Oh, that'll be dope. Okay. I'm going to reference that. And then as soon as he passes you the mic, you try to say what you thought would be your first line and you mess up and then you instantly like, well, that's out. And then you start freestyling and improvising for real real and and it's and it's great right so it's like okay. like we said there are two different mindsets there's writing and there's improvising and they don't really go together in this in the same in the same bag so um when you're planning out stuff in advance like if we were talking and i was thinking of lyrics i'd be writing right trying to get it right ahead of time and then i gotta perform it correctly and you know when i'm improvising there's no such thing as a mistake i'm making it up right now so there you go. Even included technical issues with the computer as well, just for you naysayers out there. That was Harry Mack. That was episode 378 of How to Kill an Hour. This has been the second part of our best interviews of 2020. We're going to be taking a week off next week uh, and we'll be back the following week for How to Kill an Hour. Thank you for everything that you've done for us over the last few years, man. And we've had a really good 2020. So we just want to make sure that we realign ourselves, recharge, call back our spring, pull back the arrow in the bow so that we can release ourselves into 2021 and kick the fucking shit out of it with some great podcasts for you. Um, If you can do us one small favor, it'd be just to share us with the world. At How to Kill an Arrow is what we are on all social medias, or just tell a mate to have a listen to our podcast and wherever they get theirs. Anyway, I've done enough playing of clips and enough talking on today's episode. Plenty of ways to kill some time out there. Thank you for killing some time with us. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.